Also, like, don't people question how, like, the fact that these drug companies sponsor everything? Don't like, qu- on television, you know? Like, it's it. just, <laughs> like... Yeah, there's a good question there. Uh, what's his name? RK actually wants to ban their ability to advertise. Because well, apparently we're the only country in the world that allows yeah. it or yeah. something. Too. It's us yeah, and it's New us Zealand. And Zealand. How mm-hmm. will I know about all the drugs that will give me suicide ideation and <laughs> raging diarrhea? Right. Thank you. How would I know? Yeah. There's our cold open. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Human Reaction, your weekly source for independent commentary on news, politics, and culture, where it's always our mission to arm you with the tools that you need to cut through the media misdirection and resist the mononarrative. Today, we have some very interesting things to talk about, including the saga of the Second Amendment infringement that occurred in New Mexico. The governor recently invoked a public health emergency to attempt to restrict uh, New Mexicans' right to keep and bear arms. Uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has formally formally called for impeachment of President Biden. And despite the COVID tyrant's best efforts to cancel him for not getting vaccinated, tennis phenom Novak Djokovic wins the U.S. Open, ironically sponsored by Moderna. Here to talk about all of these things and more are my co-hosts, David Rand, our brave bald. Happy bald is beautiful week. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to have our own week. When did the gingers get in a week? Um, I don't know. We'll figure that out later. Is that just St. No Patty's Day? Is that, the, is that different? It's Halloween because we don't have souls, right? Oh, so it's just okay. the, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Crypto DGen, Kyle Mack, how are you, sir? Doing good. Doing Fantastic. good. And special guest in studio today, Kat Dwyer, almost anarcho-capitalist and host of the Whiskey Bench podcast. How are you, Kat? I'm good. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, if you're new to the show and you're just tuning in, please do like and subscribe to our channel wherever you are. And... Be aware that we do cover a variety of topics beyond what we just mentioned uh, at the top. So use the chapter marks below to find the subject that you're most interested in. So let's get right into it. Find out a little bit about our guest here. Kat, who are you? And uh, why do you hate cats? You know, cats are assholes. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> do you, are you an exception to that rule then? Yes, of course. Are, are yeah. we sure? Yeah, I guess we'll yeah. find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Kat Dwyer. I work in the conservation sort of free market policy space. Um, as you mentioned, I co-host the Whiskey Bench podcast. Um, and I say I'm an almost anarcho-capitalist because I sadly don't think anarchism can actually be implemented. So I don't want to fully hang my hat on that. So you're I, sort of a realist. Yeah. About yeah. It. yeah. An anarcho-realist. Yeah. An anarcho-realist. <laughs> I like that, actually. I would take that title. I, I like, like that title. That. Yeah. That's another good Moon is a Harsh Mistress reference. I know we talked about it a couple podcasts ago, but there's a guy, there's a character in that who calls himself an, um, a rational anarchist. Very similar mm. anarchist realist. Basically, what he said is, live as free as you can when you're alive. That's his anarchism. Mm. And so if that meant revolution, he was, he's willing to participate in the revolution to overthrow the government. And that's the, the storyline of the book. But he also meant like in prison, your mind, be as free as it can be. Yeah. In your whatever condition you are in, be as free as you're able to. That's a I beautiful like it. message. It is. Mm-hmm. So what about cats, though? <laughs> I've just always had really negative experiences with cats. They've really? never been kind. Yeah. There can only be one cat. She's like, this right. is the most I've <laughs> yeah. ever talked about cats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they have I'm that? I'm also like... allergic to them. So that's part oh, of it. Oh, <laughs> there it is. The truth comes the out. Truth comes the truth out. comes out. It's a biological urge right. to destroy the cats. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I can relate. I am allergic to cats also. Although I feel like cats have always liked me for some reason. Mm. I don't know what that is. They can sense 
I don't know. I give off the wrong energy. They, they don't sense like the me. Fear. Yeah. It's the, mm. it's the mm. calm. It's the calm. You got a very chill personality. Mm. So I imagine that's what it is. It's Do just, I? Yeah. I like to think Thank of you. myself as calm, chill energy. We'll find but out. But then I have rage. <laughs> I rage for cats. So that's, it shifts. That must be what Pure it is. Pure hatred for feline. You got to have some things that, you know, really get you fired up, right. right? Yep. Yeah. Cats are it for you. Cats and socialism. So why yeah. won't anarchism work, cat? Why, why do you say that? What, what's, the, what's your case? Uh, because I think it'd be way too hard to get our large population to see the benefits of i think people overly value safety over freedom and trying to convince them to value freedom more is a herculean effort and mm. your podcast is doing the good work but i don't know if like these incremental efforts we're not there yet mm. uh, maybe in another century we'll be at a place where we can dismantle the giant apparatus of our government but seems We're like it's doing that. a decent enough job of dismantling itself at this point. True. I mean, yeah, true. The trend is in our direction. I was thinking about it. Like, have you, are you familiar with like, sh you know, like sharks are the same age as like dinosaurs, right? Like the, they've been around yeah, on the planet as long. Yet. Right. So if, if you look at it, I, I kind of think of it like the government's probably going to be like a shark. It's never going to go away, but it's going to just become so irrelevant. It's going to be like, you know, it's not going to be the dominant species on the planet, but it's mm. still going to be sharks. It's going to lurk in the deep, dark waters and yeah. occasionally try to bite your leg off. It'll go extinct, but... <laughs> You know, it's a function of like, it'll be, just won't be the thing that determines your life or your safety or your livelihood. Well, the, way the, the way the state kind of works will change with time, depending on kind of what it's needed for. And it'll kind of like, it'll be, it'll become new amalgamations, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully we continue to minimize it as much as possible over time, right? Mm. I actually stole my analogy from Matt Ridley, mm. right? And that's nice. his whole hypothesis on the state is he thinks it eventually withers to a minimal state again, just because it just isn't sustainable as it currently is. I do think we're at maybe like an inflection point in human history, which I'm sure every generation feels like they're at that point, but with technology and uh, the democratization of knowledge where we could, it could either totally fuel like a kind of libertarian anarchist renewal or it could be harnessed by the state to usher in a new era of tyranny. And I mm. kind of feel like we're at a point where we can go in either direction. That's a, that was the, uh, the theory on Richard Epstein, right? Is that he, w he had a, a grift. Jeffrey. Jeffrey, not Richard. Richard Epstein, Epstein is a great economist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah at the Hoover yeah, Institute. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've done that Sorry. before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and that it was a grift from an era when you can keep things secret and, mm -hmm. Like you can't keep things secret the same way now. Totally. C couldn't be held up to the scrutiny right. of the internet anymore. Like right. people could just decipher and figure things out right. Right, with how it was working. That's why we have to resist censorship, right? Yeah. Why haven't they published this client list yet, you guys? <laughs> Good question. Let's talk about that. Because they're all on it. <laughs> Good question. Change the subject. <laughs> um, yeah, because they're all on it. Right. Exactly. Okay. So some <laughs> things can still be hidden, but man, if that ever makes it to the internet, it's over. Mm-hmm. Although I somewhat argue that it already has, right? Isn't there some iteration of the Epstein client list on the internet? People argue about it. I don't, it's the trick now is going to be like actual authentic authentication of any list. You right. need someone to just go like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm on. <laughs> right. That looks like, right. Like, well, we've, like, had partial <laughs> we've, had, we've had partial flight logs for a very long time. Actually, that's where all like yeah. the Bill Gates travels and all that kind of stuff go. And then there was actually news this week. JP Morgan is being suited, uh, law, has a lawsuit against, them in the, the Cayman Islands mm -hmm. uh, for their participation in the ring. In funding him or? Servicing him. 
and being involved somehow in his financing of the trading that well, he was doing. That, that becomes the big question is like, where did this fortune all of a sudden come from? Because he said he claims he was a currency trader, but there's no actual real evidence of, of him moving the market in any meaningful way. Because if, if he was, you'd be able to we'd be able to see it. It's just he, not there. Right. And he had no experience doing that. Yeah. He just he became was, one. He was an arms sudden. dealer before. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he was it, a public school teacher too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, and also there's a missing fortune of, you know, his girlfriend's father of when he died and that, and that fortune just, disappeared right. <laughs> when he died. This feels very Pagosian-like. He's like selling hot dogs. And the next thing you know, he's like running a private military contract agency. <laughs> it's like, I'm a public school teacher. Then I'm like a science guy, a financier, wet arms dealer. We will may never know, but hopefully we do. Gets murdered by his former employer. A lot, a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, just kidding. Hillary, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some news. What do you say? Let's uh, do it. Top thing we want to talk about today, the this whole Second Amendment issue going on in New Mexico. So breaking this down a little bit, the New Mexico governor uh, used a uh, some some violence that had been occurring in uh, Albuquerque specifically to make this proclamation that, that uh, this was a public health emergency, right? And use this to suspend effectively New Mexicans' Second Amendment rights, saying, um, I think it was for 30 days, right? Saying that, you know, you couldn't carry a gun in public, even though the New Mexico Constitution and, of course, the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution say you can't, uh, you know, infringe on those rights. Uh, so what happened as a result of this? What did you see from this, David. Well, let's make her make the argument first. She's got, we got a good video of her basically mm. announcing it, and then we can we can chat through it. Because I, I want I don't want to I don't want to I want to steel man her argument the best way we can. Fair. You took but your point is valid. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception, and that is. If there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute, okay. you're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are their rights? Right but, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Yeah. Hold on. We didn't even get to the best part. We got to keep playing this because someone asks, well, what about criminals? Right? Isn't this this clip? Oh, yeah. There's keep, a little bit more. Keep criminals going. are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the piece of resistance there. Right. The guy, guy asks, okay, do you think criminals are going to hear this message and then not carry guns on the streets of Albuquerque for the next 30 days? She goes, uh, no. <laughs> 
Simple. Then, what, then what are you doing? The people committing the crimes, the people hurting other people are not permit holders. They're the criminals. So what, what is this? Good question. <laughs> what, what is she hoping to accomplish? First here? off, her argument's wrong. You do have an absolute right to freedom of speech. You have a, you do not have a right to incite violence. That is the limitation on your freedom of speech. But if what she was referring to was the theater, crowded theater BS case, we've gone into like, gone through it before. But just to remind everybody, the Schneck case is idiotic. It had to do with stopping people who were World War One protesters from being able to commit speech. Right? We got we got a ministry in Ukraine right now that exists that is out there saying we're going to hunt down pro-Russian propagandists, right? That is not freedom of speech, right? That is, it, we, it, they, they, they incarcerated in Ukraine a guy who uh, it basically just said, hey, here's the background to the NATO expansion. He's now in jail probably, probably going to go to a work camp. We talked about him. He, a work he, camp. Has he yeah. to turn up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and well, and yeah, this, this lady herself actually just said, so speaking of free speech, this is what the absence of free speech actually looks like. Russia hates the truth that their obsessive focus on a Ukrainian volunteer is simply allowing the light of the Ukrainian nation's honesty to shine brightly. Next week, the teeth of the Russian devils will gnash ever harder and their rabid mouths will foam in uncontrollable frenzy as the world will see a favorite Kremlin propagandist pay for their crimes. And this puppet of Putin is only the first. Russia's war criminal propagandists will all be hunted down and justice will be served as we in Ukraine are led on this mission by faith in God, liberty, and complete liberation. What kind of kink is that? (laughs) 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 It's bizarre. She's got like a wig on and a little uniform. I don't know what the pronoun is. (laughs) It could be they. But she, she, they, I'm not sure. That, but isn't that is that is what that is what that is the limitation for safety of free speech? That's what that looks like. Right. We were doing that in World War One. We incarcerated people just for the fact that they had German last names. We incarcerated Japanese for being Japanese. Mm-hmm. They weren't even speaking. This sort of this sort of like your limits have your freedom has a limit and its safety is constantly always abused by the worst people for the worst things. And the fact that she's using that as like some kind of, oh, everyone knows that you don't have a right to free speech. No, screw you. I do. Sorry. Go ahead. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I can't believe that's real. That was real. <laughs> I know. That was like, like scary, actually, like legitimately yeah. frightening. So. Yeah. If you're not watching it on video, it's crazy. She didn't blink the whole time. Yeah, right. like, like the just, way her face looks in it is just like, it's so, I don't also, know, it's hard to describe. supposed to be Ukrainian because she has an American accent. Yeah. No, well, she, she's, no, uh, they or she, I'm not sure what yeah. the pronouns are. <laughs> were from America originally, went to Ukraine as like a volunteer part of like a combat unit at some point, but was like a press person uh, when before they transitioned, were a reporter in Syria. It's a very strange story, but now they're like the Ministry of Propaganda for the English speaking world for the Ukrainians. Wow. Yeah. They got blue pilled. Yeah. Wow. Right? Is that what you would <laughs> yeah. say? Blue and yellow. Yeah. Blue and yellow. Right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm sure we'll cover all wow. colors here. Right. But some of, the, some, of the, some of the internet reaction, like Michael Knowles' take on the governor's thing here about freedom and was also interesting. Uh, if you saw his tweet, I've, I've got a link here. Yeah. Okay. So Michael Knowles says, unpopular opinion. Civil leaders do in fact have emergency authority to suspend temporarily many legal rights and then he goes on to say not not saying i agree with the governor's decision in this particular instance but in principle she has a point 
And she even has some credibility on the issue since New Mexico is relatively tough on crime. I mean, what an authoritarian perspective that is. And I will note really quick before we get into commenting on it, he got brutally ratioed on this. <laughs> yeah. But he did get 2 million views. True. Right. And so that's why he put it into a reply, his nuance, right? Because that way everyone sees the top one. They're like, what? Michael Knowles? They get enraged. Then, so yeah. is, this, is this him just kind of trying to bait people with something provocative? But I think it's literally what he thinks. I think I think he thinks your rights are limited in an emergency, like an invasion. You shouldn't have it. Like these are the same people. Ukraine hasn't had press freedom since before Russia attacked. I mean, well, well before Russia attacked, they 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 banned all of their, you know, critical media outlets. Sure. Right. And that that's sort of things like oh well, an emergency is imminent. With that? You know, you think he agrees with that? I don't know. I don't, I, but I imagine if, given the safety argument, the exact same argument you're saying why anarchism is so hard right. to envision <laughs> it happening, or at least even living in a government so hard to envision is because of the safety argument. Also, what she's trying to what she tried to institute doesn't actually keep anybody safe. It doesn't stop crime. Like right. if you're concerned about crime, put more cops on the beat. Do stop and frisk or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like not that I necessarily support stop and frisk, but <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't, I don't. But like, if you want, if you want to do something extreme to crack yeah. down on crime, do that. You don't can see how it practically do right. something, right? Yeah. That Unlike feels this. a little yeah. more direct yeah. in addressing criminals than disarming nonviolent legal gun holders. Right. But instead what she's doing is just virtue signaling to the left right. saying, I'm going to do the thing you expect me to do in order to at least put forward the, the illusion that I'm attempting to stop this crime, to save these lives. Basically, you know, as you've said previously, standing on the bodies of the people that have been affected by this violence to execute a, a political uh, agenda, right? That's not actually going to solve the problem. And I mean, fortunately, it seems like the public saw it right through it because as this uh, almost immediately as this occurred the next day, I want to say there were demonstrations in Albuquerque with uh, legal permit holders, you know, concealed carry or, you know, people just open carrying in, in Albuquerque perfectly peacefully, not a single incident occurred at this rally. So arguably if these people are the problem that she thinks they are, there should have been, there should have been a gunfight in the, in the square where they rally, but there wasn't imagine that. And no one was cited either. Like the police didn't cite anybody for disobeying that order. So like she couldn't even get the police to get, on board with her, nice. which I imagine <laughs> it would be pretty like, I mean, if you were a police officer in that environment with a bunch of armed citizens, would you go around <laughs> violating rights? <laughs> right. I don't think I would. Yeah, totally. yeah Could totally. you imagine? <laughs> We're going to walk up to all these armed people and be like, start issuing tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Or show up in mass to try to do it. Even worse. <sighs> yeah. I mean, and, and I think that that was, you know, I don't know if we know specifically if the if the police officers or the police department as a whole, how they feel about this issue. But that was probably just a tactical decision of we don't want to escalate the situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was the police officers who went around after Katrina confiscating guns. Right. Right. It's the police officers who will enforce the state when that says they do. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some good guys out there who are cogs in the wheel that will try to jam that system up. But it more than likely, though most are probably just going to follow orders, right? Because that's most of us would in that scenario as well. We've talked about this as well before, you know, everybody thinks that they would be the, the character, you know, hiding, um, and Frank under the floorboards, but most of us would probably just be German soldiers, right? Trying to go along and get along. Well, I mean, right now you see that, right? People who don't talk about things that they know that they feel very strongly about that they think are true, but will not say it because they're afraid of the consequences. It's exactly the same feeling. That moment of hesitation when you say, wait, are people going to call me a bad name for this? 
that's that moment that you are compromising to the same force that would be the one that would say, you know, go confiscate the guns or at least look the other way when they are. Well, it is interesting because most police officers are generally team red, but they're just subservient to team blue. And there's like an interesting power dynamic that yeah. exists well, there. And, and, and right. to be to like the steel man in that case too, like they can, they, they can take an oath to uphold the law that they're told mm-hmm. to do by the like legal process. And the governor apparently has a legal process to do this in the sense of that they can declare an emergency, but I don't think they have, they can, this is the interesting thing is why is she doing it with this mechanism for 30 days? Why that? Is it just the press publicity? It's not very, the election's a little ways off. I don't, and I don't think she got great press out of it. Right. I think quite the the left. I mean, I imagine help with fundraising, fundraising emails probably got great coverage. It seems like it's one of those, and this is increasing in our politics where, especially on the left, where they, it's just a messaging stunt, right? Where they Mm -hmm. know, like the Biden administration has done this multiple times with like forgiving student debt or the rent moratorium, where they Mm -hmm. know it's unconstitutional. They know it won't hold up in the courts, but they think they can buy enough time to get some political capital, maybe even have some of their constituents benefit from it in the interim until it's struck down. And it seemed like maybe that was her calculation, but it backfired pretty spectacularly <laughs> should be her. able to go to like rallies for mon demand's action now and be like i tried to do something but the darn courts wouldn't let yeah, me yeah right yeah. right and also there's also the theory and this is something that's gone around for a long time is that the next emergency because they they went so overboard for covid limiting all of our freedoms to respond to covid that they'd use these same emergency powers for other freedoms like they said they're going to do it for climate change right or maybe they'll do it for gun violence and maybe this is like the beta tests to see if they can i doubt that i think it's probably more likely that question Mm -hmm. of just trying to fundraise i will say on the cop side uh the um was it the the sheriff or the police chief or or somebody that was heading the police department um came out and gave a press conference and said that he would not enforce this order because he he said it was unconstitutional and he said that um he has a duty to uphold the law, but he also has a duty to uphold the constitution and he said like this doesn't Mm -hmm. i think his words were it doesn't pass constitutional muster that's so great. Him and then the AG of the state was, I think it was the AG of the state, um, who's a Democrat, also came out and said it was unconstitutional. So mm. it was really a miscalculation on her part. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, and, and you had very prominent uh, left-leaning political commentators on on Twitter, you know, coming out and saying like, "There's no, there's no grounds for this, right? Like, this is a terrible idea." And I mean. And so, yeah, maybe to the the point about the political capital, did did she really gain any or did she lose some, even within her own party of people who realize like, whoa, like this is just such a gross overstep that it, we can't even subscribe to this because we're going to get roasted if we do. On, mm-hmm. on the left wing political commentators coming out against it, there might be a political calculus that exists there because for so long, the conservative narrative is always like, you know, we do this, but then eventually they come for all the guns. Right. And this is one of those things where it's like they're coming for all the guns. And so they need to kind of back away from that and be like, mm-hmm. no, see, we're not actually going to come for all your like, she's crazy. Like, you know, <laughs> like, there could be a bit of that that's going on, mm-hmm. too. Well, and on Tim Cast, they had, uh, you know, surmised, I think it was Tim Pool was saying that, like, you know, they could from this point, very quietly use some sort of facial recognition, recognition software to detect who was at the rally, who was open carrying, and then send the police door to door to issue citations if they wanted to go about that. Um, now that, you know, once the sort of media firestorm dies down about it, and I don't, I don't know that they will, uh, but they'll know they they lose that. If they, if they do that and they countersue, they get the local government's gonna spend a lot of money trying to defend it. It's true. And I mean, this, this was pretty immediately, um, sued, right? Mm -hmm. The governor was sued by gun owners of America. Like, within a day or two. And then 
the white pill of, uh, of white pills here is that a federal district judge did suspend the order mm-hmm. ultimately. So it's not going to go into effect, at least not now. It'll have to be litigated further up the chain, right? This does a big one policy question. I think people all need to think through. There was a moment in time right after COVID when the ability for legislatures to look at very old code and change it to change the power, emergency powers of their governors, that might be passed now or not. But I think it's still a place for political entrepreneurs to be able to do some very good work still. So, for example, in my state, after COVID, we realized that the governor and local health authorities had tremendous power from very old parts of the Constitution and our legal code. Some of it date, dating back from when we were territory and the capital was in Bannock, Montana. Like way back when, when uh, various different sanitary questions could be controlled by the county health official and they had the power to literally fire the sheriff. You had a government appointed bureaucrat who could fire your county sheriff. That kind of unbalance in the code. So we went in, we went through, and we systematically went through code. All the things that the governor used to justify lockdowns, we said, how do we introduce principles to limit this? Um, New Mexico needs to do that, obviously, because if your governor can just willy-nilly just suspend rights on a bad press cycle, uh, they can do terrible things when there's an actual more imminent threat. What can other states take from this event? Definitely that opportunity to reform their um, their emergency powers because every state has emergency powers authorizations in their code and like some of them have more are more restrained than others. Like how long can they have emergency without a check by some kind of democratic institutions accountable to people, whether that's a legislature or someone else. Um, additionally, that the, one of the other mechanisms you can look to is a supermajority vote or or veto votes. Right. So you could you can change the way that these sorts of things are held in uh, through the code process. Right. So the Mon- like, for example, Montana code annotated, if you wanted to go through emergency process to uh, for like a fire emergency. Now the governor has 90 days that he can do any emergency he wants to. After that, he has to go get approval from the state legislature. Right. That sort of check means it better be a big freaking deal. Right. And if it's that big of a deal that it takes longer than 90 days and you need to go ask the legislature, then you've now exceeded that. And you have some amount of democratic check without losing your ability to manage natural disasters or something like that. I hope it's, uh, it spooks other would be rogue governors. I want to do something that's blatantly unconstitutional. I mm. hope this makes them think twice how much pushback she got immediately. And it gave me hope personally that like common sense prevailed, you know, there's Absolutely. more, um, sometimes you lose, you can doom scroll and think that everyone's just sheep and are going to fall into the trap and to have such a vocal, you know, principled push back on this was super encouraging. Absolutely. Yeah. You do get the idea sometimes that, you know, or that I, I should say the idea is out there that the right is sort of this like sleeping giant, right? Like you don't really, they're not super activist potentially, but like when things like this do come up that threaten rights that, that, you know, I think all Americans should take very seriously and you see this kind of reaction, it is a little bit reassuring, like, okay, people are paying attention. People aren't just lulled into this, you know, ignorant state of, uh, you know, whatever, or living their daily lives or just not paying attention to politics in general. Cause it's, it can be off putting and not that fun to deal with for average people. Right. Yeah, I think, I think we also don't celebrate our wins. Right. And we got a week full of wins Yeah, this week. I mean, we got this story, we got the, um, impeachment impending impeachment we have the u.s open story like we have the elon musk story like all these things are great white pills absolutely all right well shall we uh shall we chat about that impeachment story there after i open another can of zesty beverage 
<sighs> this episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to un the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. Yeah, so uh, Speaker McCarthy is calling for the impeachment of the president. We got a great little video of his speech that you can get in the show notes. It's a little bit long to play right now, but basically he's saying we've found enough in these uh, oversight committees and we want to find more. So we're going to start an inquiry to impeachment. That's not actual impeachment. It's an inquiry to impeachment. So it's like it's a finding phase. It's to be able to, to bring more witnesses, bring more material evidence together to see whether or not the Biden administration is indeed broken any laws from the time he was vice president to today um, with influence peddling. And so this, to be clear, this isn't uh, impeachment. This is the investigation that precedes that, right? So if there isn't yet a body of evidence, this would be the grounds to go and get that evidence, right? Yeah. So, and I think, I think there's some credence to the claim that's like, why didn't they do this earlier? Right. But they needed that time to really vet, all of the material evidence, bring in Hunter Biden's business associate, do a lot of these IRS whistleblower investigations and all that stuff. And we've been covering these very thoroughly. So if you're a listener, you should know what's going on. You should feel, feel very informed about what's going on. Cause I, and I, I think the, the legacy here is, is just, I mean, it's literally scaling two years of investigation through the house oversight committee. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're basically coming to that head. Now, there is a, another alternative motive to the speaker doing this, and that is the CR, right? So the remember January way back in the day, way back nine months ago. Can you can you clarify what CR is? Continuing for, resolution. Thank I'll you. circle around to what that means okay. and why it's important. In January, the Republicans got together after they got their majority. They said, who's going to be leader? And they were like, well, they needed all the Republicans to vote for because it's a pretty narrow margin. They're not going to need any Democrats to vote for a Republican for speaker. That's like a, you're dead if you do that. <laughs> so they needed the House conservatives who now had the power because they could say no, because they needed every single conservative. They didn't have a, they didn't have a moderate, what I would say is a policy majority or a moderate Republican majority. They had enough conservatives to be able to not let them get to 51% or 50 plus one. So, um, the House conservatives all said, unless you change some stuff and bring us back to what's called regular order, we're not going to vote for you. And he was like, oh, I don't need you, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they went to the table and he was able to peel a certain amount off. He couldn't peel off enough until the very end where he was able to get Matt Gates and a couple of the other to finally say yay. And wh why did they finally say yay? Because he promised them that he would bring the House back to regular order. That means amendments that means regular budgeting process so how the government should be funded this is so interesting you're going to be so riveted <laughs> i love funding I mean, what's the Biden thing that he does? he's always like yelling ah and then he goes like this is how the government should be funded like, really quiet, like, <laughs> yeah. 12 bills it should be funded they should 12 bills 12 operations bills so what they should do okay the government should government want, it brings in five trillion they want to spend seven but if they did that, you would have to vote on 12 bills that fund the 12 different function of government. It's like the 12 days of Christmas, but, you know, not one's the DOD, <laughs> one's the DOE, do -do 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 -do. The, 12, the 12 different bills, 
that would have a total to them so that you could add them up and say, does it equal $5 trillion, which is our revenue estimate for this year. But they don't want to spend that. They want to spend Nancy Pelosi's $7 trillion because... Who doesn't want to spend more the, money than they because make? Because. <laughs> well, they don't want to have the fight, right? And this, is, this has been the fight, and it's been the fight since before the iPad was created. We haven't passed a real budget since before... The iPad was created. <laughs> Which was 2009? That is wild. That's a great factoid. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy, every year it gets better. You know, I've been saying that since, you know, 2012 or something. Right. So the, uh, the regular process, so a continuing resolution pretty much says, we're not going to get into the debate of an actual budget. We don't have the time. We don't have the political will. It allows, we're, so we're basically going to pass the old budget and just continually solve, like cover the bills of the government. That's what a continuing resolution is. And then it comes back from the Senate as an, what's called an omnibus. It funds the government all in one big go. And uh, that is the process in which we have blown up the national debt to $30 trillion. Now, what does that have to do with impeachment? The speaker right now needs the conservatives to pass even the CR. So what he's doing is he's saying, hey, this is what I suspect. Behind closed doors, he's saying, hey, conservatives, you pass, you, you pass the CR and it'll fund the impeachment that you want. I see. So he's, he's getting the, the, uh, the conservative wing of the party behind inflating the budget against their prior objectives by basically baiting them with mm -hmm. the impeachment. And, and he's done a bunch of stuff he said he wouldn't do, too, with that mm -hmm. negotiation. I mean, at this point, Speaker McCarthy's pretty much proven himself to just not be telling the truth about what he was actually going to do as leader and therefore not be a good leader, right? If you say my coalition is built around my authority as a leader and then you break your word about those things, like, for example, remember, uh, we, we mentioned this when it happened. They passed a couple different bills Um um, not using regular process again, where they didn't allow amendments from the floor and they didn't do all that stuff. And then uh, there was, uh, with this process specifically, I mean, it's a, it's a direct betrayal. It, what he's saying is if the government shuts down, we can't fund the impeachment, right? And so this puts them all in that, that corner where they're going to say, okay, which matters to me more, impeaching the corrupt president or the budget? Does this give the conservative wing of the party cover to say, well, I had to compromise because everybody wants this impeachment. My constituents want this, want this impeachment. So I had to, I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's the pressure they're going to get. They're going to get that from the donor class too, right? Cause the donor class really doesn't want Biden in again, even on the left, on the right, on the right. On for the sure. right. Yeah. Yeah. The right wing donor class that they need for their upcoming election cycle. Very much so. Yeah. They're going to be very concerned. And, 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 and don't be wrong, a lot of the donor class, they very care about the budget. They won't want this sort of stuff too, but whose president matters a lot more, <laughs> you know, they can deal with another two years of, you know, bad budgeting. Um, yeah. But the problem is yeah, for the rest of us who have to face the consequences of these, uh, you know, this overspending is that if the Republicans do get into office, what is the likelihood that the budget's going to be balanced after that? Pretty much zero. P pretty, pretty low. And that's not, not because <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, look, I, I work with Republicans all the time. I like a lot of Republicans. I mean, but the last time they had power, these cats, the Mitt Romney wing of the party still in control guys. Right. And until that changes, how do you trust them? Well, you can drive off the cliff going 60 or you can approach the cliff close or going 20. Can we slow down until we get enough Republicans in that are good? I don't know. Like, that's a that's a very high victory theory question. But I mean, at the end of the day, 
you know, I'd much rather have someone who doesn't want nuclear war with Ru- Russia as a major priority in the U.S. presidential candidate. So for which sure. one do you vote for? What, what do you do? I, it's a very complicated question. It is. Is there any significance to the timing of the election season coming up for this impeachment? Oh, that's what I tried to frame up in the beginning with. Uh, did you want to jump in there? Sorry. Well, I, I, I talk on time. One side note. I'm being misogynist right now. No. <laughs> we're not He's using the We're not even on the podcast to just talk right over. Just like, ah. My bad. Don't mansplain to me. Um, one, one thought, though, just on a kind of a side note on um, your argument that they don't want Biden to be the nominee. I've been thinking about this. Why wouldn't they want Biden That's, to be the nominee? That was my nominee? exact question, too. Yeah. Uh, the standard model of political elections is first, what wins is incumbents. Sure. Second, what wins is money. Third, what wins is media attention. Okay. Biden has tons of money. He's going to get all the favorable media attention he wants. Well, if any you can Democrat get will. rid of his, yeah, right. If you can get well, rid of his RFK, incumbency right? power, <laughs> That's if, true. You, if you can get rid of his incumbency power, you get a tremendous opportunity for an open seat, which is typically in the standard model. Now, this model might not be relevant anymore, but this is the model in which we ran U.S. elections from the 60s till 2016. Right. Right. So it's going to take a long time for that model to change hmm. like that, that calculus. But I mean, but it's true. In 2016, 2018, 2020, mostly incumbents won. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's th- but there's an added thing too here is because like Biden's going around with his Bidenomics, you know, <laughs> thing, and and just saying like it just works, guys, it just works, and it's like every the, the regular voter does not feel like it's working right now. So like mm-hmm. there's like a weird messaging dilemma that I think is happening right here yeah. with the Biden administration, where I'm like, I'm not sure the incumbency thing is going to be relevant in this election like it was in prior elections, right? Because it's just like it doesn't feel like anybody really wants. And the his, continuation of this. And his approval ratings are so low yeah. that, it, yeah, I don't know. I just doesn't feel like he's entering it from a strong position. But I sure. hear your, yeah. yeah. Well, that's even if you believe the approval ratings that we have well, are yeah. real. Well, yeah, most polling's all wrong. They probably <laughs> They're probably well, lower, though. Exactly. Just exactly. Anything. exactly. <laughs> There's an individual incentive because if you can say, I am working to impeach the president as a Republican, that's a tremendous opportunity for fundraising and other sort totally. of things, too. So each of those Republicans all have that incentive on top of the other. The media spectacle of them being the ones who actually impeached the president while well, they failed to impeach Donald Trump. But they're going to fail here, too. We know this, right? Because the Senate is controlled by Democrats. Control. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I do think there is a legitimate reason for the impeachment and maybe these other reasons are overriding and sort of driving it. But I do think, um, my understanding is an impeachment inquiry gives them the power to subpoena financial records in a way that, um, they wouldn't be able to currently like the house select committee wouldn't be able to, or it would be harder for them to get those financial records. And if an impeachment is the reason why they're doing it, then um, there's more weight behind that. Because I think originally, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a select committee can can tra- request that type of information, but it has to be related to like legislation that they're trying to pass. Mm. And this obviously isn't. So the so an impeachment then gives them sort of the legal reason for asking for those records. Mm. And once we get those records the shit might hit the yeah. fan. Although we already <laughs> know that Hunter Biden and his dad shared a bank account at, at Wells Fargo. We know that from a release text message that from yeah. Hunter Biden's phone, yeah. right? So he's sharing a bank account with his dad while getting payments from the Ukrainian government and other governments like, like China. China. Yep. China. Yep. Into that account, maybe some other account, but it yeah. looks pretty fungible. Well, That's the nature of money. Well, and the, <laughs> the Hunter Biden, the Hunter Biden indictment now has gone through about the gun charge too, which right. is kind of a, 
it's one of those things where it's almost like cover where like that's like the least of the concerns exactly. really but it is interesting that that's now going yeah through. take that second amendment supporters does he have a right to have a gun what do you think <laughs> <laughs> well i read uh andrew mccarthy who writes at national review and is like used to be a um a prosecutor so he's got like crazy in-depth understanding of how this whole system works he made a, a funny point that uh that the Biden's defense is going to have a really like awkward time defending that because mm. their argument appears to be like, he has a right to bear arms, but at the same time, the administration <laughs> has been actively pushing against second amendment stuff. So it's just as Democrats have put some in this really awkward position for sure. Well, I mean, be funny. As, as Republicans too, though, right? Because yeah. you, you have a hard time saying yeah, Hunter Biden should go down for this while also saying, well, right. but the second amendment, so yeah, it's going to yeah. be yeah. messed up. If anything, he should go down for smoking <laughs> okay. crack while it being illegal. Yeah. Well, right. Other than the fact that the drug wars are corrupt and terrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't mean if it's illegal, he shouldn't be able to do it. That's what the rule law is. Yes. Well, I, yes. I, but if I may just say the most important thing here is that the vice president of the United States and his son were taking money from foreign governments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were operating <laughs> right. as foreign agents. Right. Without right. Being to be clear, they could have right done now. it, but they could have just registered. The, the, the crazy thing about this is this was all legal to do if he just said, yeah, but I'm a foreign agent. But the not for the vice president. The vice president yeah, cannot right. take true. money That's from true. a foreign the government. Vice president can't, but he could have yeah. done all this. Okay. But yeah, like it, it is interesting how like how little we've actually changed over time because like this is always this is how like kings and stuff works. It's just like oh, you just put your son on this thing and you do like we haven't changed. Right. We're the same way that we've always been for millennia, right? Only now the peasants have have podcasts. And right. we can <laughs> We're just like hey, talk that shit seems about corrupt. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Right. <laughs> we have memes now. We got meme magic. That's right. the difference. Yeah, the meme space will rule this one. The yeah. meme landscape has changed, <laughs> as was said. So something that we won with memes and is a huge white pill. We got this U.S. Open story, but I can't pronounce this guy's name, so I'm going to have you do it so I don't <laughs> slaughter it because I don't know why. That's how you hurt my brain. Novak? Novak. Djokovic. Djokovic. That's really easy. Why is it? Have... But I, when I read it, I want to do something. But why is, there, why is there a D in there? <laughs> the D. <laughs> uh, Americans have a hard time with Eastern European last names. It's mm. just a universal fact. Wow. I'm not sure. I sympathize. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you have a better time because you're Canadian and apparently there's a, a large larger there's a strange there's a strange amount of yeah eastern european immigrants that go into canada i don't know what it is novak djokovic novak novak djokovic i'm hungarian well i done. should be able to say it but novak djokovic novak djokovic i see everybody we got it. we're good novak djokovic <laughs> okay so <laughs> now that we got that part established so this guy i mean we probably all remember he was in the news uh about a year ago um he was supposed to fly to Australia to compete in the Australian Open. He's a tennis player, if you aren't aware. Um, and Australia would not let him in because he would not disclose whether or not he had been uh, jabbed for COVID. And the government was very strict about it, um, said, you know, rules are rules. You know, the, the reason that we have one of the lowest COVID rates in the world is because we're so strict about, you know, letting people in with, you know, with the right things, with, with, with the vaccinations. So they wouldn't let him in. They wouldn't let him compete. He couldn't defend his title in sports. It was it, it was a it was a, a bummer, obviously for him and for people that wanted to see uh, a good co a competitive event. Right. Well, fast forward to this year, U.S. Open. He's allowed to compete, and uh, he takes home the title, wins the U.S. Open. Uh, which my favorite part of this is, well, there's two there's two amazing parts. The first is that the event itself was sponsored by Moderna which is just 
so beautifully ironic. I just, <laughs> no matter how you feel about COVID vaccination, like that's just poetry right, right there. The simulation and is. It's really firing on all cylinders right now. Kat, would you like to, would you like to enlighten us as to the second hilarious sure. part of this? Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, uh, Novak won the, um, Moderna sponsored Moderna shot of the game. <laughs> And so he came up on the screen and it says Moderna shot of the game with a picture of him, the anti-vaxxer. It's just so perfect. Yeah. Novak, like, Novak, more like Novax. Oh, oh. <laughs> good one. Wow. So the thing about wow. Australia is, is that they are so crazy about this and that they are so disconnected from their fundamental roots as like an English speaking Western country. And like a rebel nation too. Right. They're the prisoners, right? right. They're yeah. the prisoners of the empire. Is, yeah. is what Australia was. That's yeah, right. they're worse. Like they're right up there with the Canadians. What's up with that, Kyle? Well, Canadians have this weird obsession with the royalty and the monarchy and stuff. It's it's not the same thing. <laughs> it's as, not the same. It's not the same mm-hmm. thing as Australia. <laughs> uh, I sent you a I sent you a Discord message on this, Kyle. But the um, <laughs> yeah, sorry to bring that up. I think we forget at this point just how bad things were, even a year ago, but before that too. Like Australians having a camp of infected people. You guys remember that? Right. Oh, yeah. People taken from their homes. You guys remember the lady yeah. who was arrested for posting on Facebook? You're under arrest in relation to incitement. Incitement? Yeah. Now, you're not obliged to say I do anything, but anything you say I do may be given in evidence. Excuse me, incitement for what? What the, What on earth? Excuse me, what What on earth? Yeah, just put your phone down. Can you, like, record this? Like, in my pajamas, What's I this? an ultrasound in an hour. Yeah, pregnant. she's pregnant, so... Well, I'll take it easy. What's this about? I have an ultrasound just in an hour. Let me finish and I'll explain. It's in relation to a Facebook post, in relation to a lockdown protest you put on for Saturday. Yeah, and I wasn't breaking any laws by doing you that. You are actually. You are breaking all. That's why I'm arresting you in relation to in front How of can my you children, arrest her? That's. In front of my two children. Can't you just say to her, take the post down? Like, come I mean, on. I'm happy to delete the post. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I have to give you this caution and rights. Do you understand? Yeah, that's you fine. Like, I'm happy to delete the post. This is ridiculous. Like, I'm just saying, that's probably going to come. Supposedly a free country. Supposedly, this well, is they, why they don't, have, they don't have free speech, right? Like, there's only two countries in the world that have free speech in their constitutions. This is why it is so important. Everyday people are like, "Oh man, I just I don't care about I don't care about politics." Well, you care about politics up until the moment where it cares about you. I'm sure this lady thought she lived in a free country. I'm sure this lady thought that what she was doing completely reasonable, saying, "I have a political opinion and I can express it on Facebook." I'm sure she thought that this was not a sort of thing that she would be incarcerated for on the day that she is supposed to have her ultrasound in front of her children. I'm sure that's how she lived her life up until this moment. And that's the, that's like that Reagan quote, man. Freedom is one generation away. All it takes is a certain group of people who just, they can't be bothered. Uh, and, and hopefully if you can make politics accessible enough and the underlying principles of good public policy of true things that in, that help human progress rather than inhibit it, that you can lead a revolution, lead that pressure that pushes back in government to restore Australian liberties. Yeah. I'm sure there's a point in history where Australia could have had this free freedom of speech, but they didn't have the, the oomph to do it. Well, I mean, goodness gracious, if you don't live in Australia now, if you're in Australia now and you want to have freedom of speech, you've got to do something. You're just not going to fix itself. Absolutely. It's also a good reminder of why you need to know your rights, mm. right? Like True. know them backwards and forwards. Cause maybe that guy's wrong. 
for I mean, in, on principle, he's wrong for arresting her. But maybe <laughs> right. there, maybe even he's like interpreting the code wrong. You know, mm-hmm. who knows? But mm-hmm. yeah, that's and if you don't actually have free speech, you should know that. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was talking to an Australian during the COVID stuff when all this the internment camps and whatnot were happening in there, and he I remember him telling me that there was all these uh, internet surveillance measures that got put into place into law throughout the 2016, 2017 uh, years in Australia, and it was always framed as like, well, we don't think we're ever going to need them. And then it was like when COVID came around, then mm. those then those were used for the lockdowns on everything. Right. That timeline feeds the conspiracy. It does. It really does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> Talk about FEMA camps. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't have to go there. Anyways, I don't mean to ruin this white pill moment because it is really cool that this guy was able to come back, even though it's tennis and it's pretty lame. But it's pretty cool <laughs> that this guy was able to come back and kick butt and do it. I mean, obviously, because all of his opponents have mitocarditis, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, he had an yeah. advantage. He was actually so he's actually it's a performance enhancing drug. Not taking the, the shot. Right. <laughs> his his opponent was actually Russian, so I think there was some propaganda oh. built in there that Ooh. like the Russian had to lose. You know. I don't uh. know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Are you wait? Are you saying it was rigged? Is that what you're telling us? I, I think there might be a black pill component to this. Wow. So. Isn't this just, isn't this just the story? We're gonna find some way to make this a bad thing. Is what <laughs> isn't this just Rocky Three? Like, yeah. isn't that what this is? <laughs> yeah. If Rocky was Serbian, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Libertarians have to find a way to make a good thing bad. Right. Like we laugh about that. Right. Like, oh, yeah, whenever sure. anything good happens, we just have to dissect it until we can find out the conspiracy. Right. Well, actually. Actually, if you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management. Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. But we got another white pill for you. Elon Musk saved us from World War III. All hail, mighty ruler Elon. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the head no toad like sort of thing. So the story is this. So Ukraine wanted to attack Russia's Navy base in Crimea. Where's Crimea? Can we bring up a map? Oh, jeez. Because I, this is so frustrating <laughs> about a, this. Is trying to. It's a river, right? <laughs> Crimea River. <laughs> Crimea River. Yeah. Sorry. That's what you tune into. I'm this gonna be listening to that later and be like, man, that was flat. That note was not good. Okay. Oh. So on the way, I'll, I'll, I'll edit it in. Basically, what they did is they asked for. I won't do that. The ability to do this thing because. Elon had signed a deal with him saying, I will provide SpaceX, which is his low earth satellite internet service. I have it. It's great. But I haven't used it to attack the Russians yet. So anyways, the, uh, they signed up. You really even live until you've used your Starlink (laughs) to attack the Russians. So it it basically communicates with lower satellites for positioning and data while they use drones with this technology and other things. And so what they have is this waterborne drone system that they wanted to use to attack the Russians in Crimea. Now, you have to know something about Ukrainian and Russian history to understand the background of this. But in short, Elon is a traitor tornado for two days because he wouldn't change the initial agreement that he made with the Ukrainian government to only provide this service within Ukraine. Now, Ukraine says, well, Crimea is Ukraine. 
That's the question. Is okay. Crimea Ukraine? Well, sort of what the whole war is about. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not the Crimea. Not this war. To be clear. Uh, yeah, that, yeah this war is about I the Donbass. I guess yeah, that's this, true. The Crimea is a very different story, and I want to tell that story. All right, so see that mm. neat little thing that juts out in the middle of the Black Sea there? That's Crimea. Why does it look strategically important? Because it's in the Black Sea. Black Sea is important. Yep. Only well, warm water port. It's a warm water port. Yep. Yeah, Sevastopol is very important for that. It's also in the middle of it, right? Like it's it's like getting to the middle so that you can defend the rest. It's actually a, a, a big buffer zone for the rest of uh, for the rest of that. So I want to be clear. Russia has controlled the Crimea since 1783, right? So imagine for a moment a thought experiment. Kai, you're going to love this. Canada took Maine from us in the year 1991. <laughs> That's my people. I love Maine. No. How long has Maine been part of the Union? It's ours now. 17, 1780s, pretty much. 1790s, something like that. We've had Nearly the there. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And for about 60 years, Canada controlled it. And then one day we were like, we had an agreement for a port in, and we had bases in Maine. And one day we said, eh, it's ours. And then Maine universally, 80% voted, yeah, we're part of the United States again. That's the story of Crimea. But instead of the United States, it's Russia. Instead of, you know, Canada, it's Ukraine. Now, they didn't take it. That's like not right, right, the word. But in the deal that broke up the Soviet Union, for whatever reason, it's a complicated story. Uh, long story short, Crimea wound up, in wound up in Ukraine for a couple of reasons. One caveat yeah. on that. Didn't um, in 1954, didn't the um, wasn't Crimea transferred to Ukraine? And obviously Ukraine was still a part of the Soviet Union at that point. But like mm -hmm. it was officially transferred to their, um, I guess, the province. The yeah. way I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And that was part of a particular deal at that time. Okay. Now, once again, this is I want to be clear. This is a coup de main, right? This is an out of the blue attack that happened during the Obama administration that now made that a um, part of Russia, right? It wasn't, it wasn't done. It, it, it wouldn't have been legal for them to do it any other way either, right? To be clear, like if, if so, for example, there's a place in Spain that for years has been voting to break off from Spain. Catalonia. The Basque. Is it Catalonia or what is it? The, Basque, the Basque region, right? The Basque region. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't ever get to do it, Right. If this area had voted like the Donbass did, Donbass tried to do it right. The Donbass overwhelmingly voted to leave Ukraine and uh, into Russia after the Maidan revolution. Rewind just a little bit here. New Russian president come, or new Ukrainian president comes in, says, hey, I'm not going to sign the deal with the EU. I'm going to sign the deal with Russia for a new trade deal. That guy has what's called the Maidan revolution happens and all these people come in, including John frickin McCain. Uh, and shows up and basically says, ah, this guy's terrible. We need to get rid of him. Uh, meanwhile, we got a little, literally the State Department. I don't know if we've ever seen this. Gideon Rose from the State Department goes on and says, Ukraine is Robin to Russia's Batman. Oh, yeah. The challenge is to get him <laughs> them to flip sides. It's a four-minute video. Do you guys want to watch it? Yeah, let me find it. Well, it's right here. I have it in the notes. You have it right here? Yeah, and, this, and, this, and that's, this is part of the case that the 2014 coup, and it's a coup. It's a violent coup was partially funded, at least the revolutionary part, as a color revolution by the CIA and by NGOs, probably funded by the U.S. State Department. Oh, wow. I just wish Ronald Reagan were still alive to fix this mess. Here to tell me how to reanimate Reagan is the editor of Foreign Affairs magazine, 
Gideon Rose. Mr. Rose, thank you so much for being here. There's the magazine, Foreign Affairs. Why is it called Spring? Now, 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 Gideon. I love this guy. Uh, help just me out him. here. We've got, a, we've got a battle. The Ukraine, some of them want to go into the EU, the European Union. Right. Uh, and some of them want to stay with Russia. If the Ukraine's not in Europe right now, what continent is it on? Well, it's part of Eurasia, but it's part of Eastern Europe and the former Soviet bloc. Uh -huh. It's basically Robin to Russia's Batman. And the challenge here, the challenge here is to try to attract it to the West, to get it to flip sides. So the, the rebels in the streets, what are they fighting for? They're fighting for a better future. Countries have a development. That sounds like a political speech. Like, no, but it's actually true. Really? Countries have to develop over time. And Ukraine basically, after it, the uh, end of the Soviet Union, faced two tracks. It could stay a sort of stagnant, corrupt, authoritarian country tied to Russia, or it could essentially join the West. It could modernize, liberalize, become a democracy. Uh, at the last minute, when it looked like it was going to trade up from its sort of uh, uh, abusive relationship with its boyfriend from the hood to a, a nice yuppie. Uh, uh, You're not loading these choices no, in any way it's whatsoever. Actually, it's actually true. When it looked like it was going to trade up to a better uh, environment, uh, at the last minute, Putin offered a bribe. How uh, much? Uh, Fifteen billion. It's uh, a lot of cash. It's man. a lot of cash. And the president, who himself was tied to the old elites and the eastern part of the country ties to Russia, decided to back off the change and go. Do you know join how Russia. many pirate-themed restaurants you can buy with fifteen billion dollars? The problem was the western parts of the country and the younger parts of the country and the more modern liberal parts of the country basically knew that they had no future being Russia's, Russia's vassal. Do and we? So they took to the streets. Is America? America taking sides in this in any way? If, if these people, if the, the rebels are winning right now, right? Yes, just so recently. Why isn't Obama spiking the ball in the end zone and calling Putin and saying, hey, you might have won the medal count, but we won the country count, biatch. <laughs> It's actually a very good question, and the answer is that we don't want Russia to intervene and kick over the table like a game of risk and take Ukraine back. And so Will they we, do that? Could he send in troops? Yes, he could. So we are choosing... Does Ukraine have any now, troops huh? of their own? Would they fight back? Yes, but we don't want this to escalate, and we don't want Russia to crack down. So we want to basically distract Russia. Oh, look, you have the highest medal count. Oh, you did really well. Uh, and you know, focus possible? on the Olympics. Here's a shiny object. Focus we'll just take an entire country away from you. Basically. That's what I've been talking about, right? <laughs> that very phenomena of, well, we're going to steal them away. It's bad when he offers them a trade deal. It's good when we do, right? There are enemies. There are yeah, I don't know. They're Batman and we're the Joker. I don't I mean, know where that makes us the bad guy. The, but, whole, the whole thing is just kind of like, I can't... That perspective that they're treating a world superpower like a toddler well it's and it, also just as airing, if they don't watch this right, too. Exactly. <laughs> it's like airing it on national television right. it's like what are you what are you talking about well and, and that's the thing is that i mean putin has said i don't want ukraine and nato or nato and ukraine and so when they failed to get them in nato they started putting nato in ukraine by working together in the militaries integrating their military interoperability overthrowing the 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 guy who said who responded the guy they're talking about here ends up getting you know, kicked out with a violent coup of controlling occupied buildings, mostly by people who are connected with the very radical right in Ukraine. The radical right. The radical right. <laughs> in this case, literally Nazis, literally guys who are very proud of their Nazi heritage, of which I know you know a little bit about. Yeah, I was actually, Nazis. I wanted to add. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. That was a weird way to say that. 
I don't know hair, anything right? about Nazis, <laughs> but I do know a little bit about this issue. And I wanted mm. to just throw, and maybe you guys have talked about this in the past already, but I wanted to add one more bit of context that also demonstrates like that video we just watched, um, that the U.S., likely was behind this coup. Um, and that is that Victoria Newland, who was the assistant secretary of state for European and Eurasian affairs at that time. Um, and the U S ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt, who spells his name with like a G, which deceptive, who likes a Jeffrey with a G. Anyways, um, they basically their phone call, they had a phone call where they were discussing who they were going to get rid of in the Ukrainian government and who they're going to be replacing them with, like in detail, like got to get rid of so and so we need X in there. Um, and that phone call was leaked. It was recorded. It was leaked, leaked to the press. Everybody knew about it. Um, and it was basically two U.S. government officials coordinating how they were going to set up the new government. And this was before the Maidan revolution, like really was at its peak and at its crux. And those guys end up becoming the new government. Yeah. The and everybody they, they talked about was put in place. Everybody. Yeah. So like, that's, that's the part where you're like, <laughs> to what degree? And then we had the video we watched last week where we're like the guy from, um, uh, Yugoslavia. Um, Oh, Victor Orban. Yeah. Victor oh, Orban. Hungry. 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 Sorry. Uh, yeah. In, in, in him saying like, no, the U S government is spending in my election. We have election interference from the Russians being the primary cause of why the left wants to like bomb Russia today. Right. <laughs> I mean, like the, this this process that we're in is like this controlled keyhole like environment that we see the world through and see specifically foreign policy through is intentionally cultivated right and it's it's not top down it's bottom up it's people responding to the incentives as they see them in order to take advantage of the opportunity of the world around them so with this and how this all ties in the it is only a few months after this stuff that that russia responds to this with the invasion of crimea Right. We forget about that, right? That this, that the invasion of, of Ukraine was far later. This is all happening in 2014. Putin's watching Colbert and he's like, those sons of bitches. I will get them back. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they didn't. And so then they, they, they do a largely a bloodless coup de main, right? So meaning a, 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 a surprise attack out of the blue where they capture all this space. Um, the, 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 the question is like, how legitimate their election was afterwards, but 95%, I said 80% earlier, sorry, 95% of the population afterwards, several times votes and with international witnesses, and you can find some really great coverage here by Vice News back when they were good, uh, with reporters on the ground actually talking to real people there about why they want this. Uh, and, and, and it's for all kinds of reasons going all the way back to 1785. This is a very heavy Russian population. And, you know, keep in mind, it wasn't long after this that they banned the speech of Russian in Ukraine. Right. Couldn't so speak, couldn't speak the Russian language in Ukraine. Not, not I mean, you could in like your privacy, your home, but sure. like there was like not in official government documents and things like that. Or being taught in schools and right. that sort of thing. Yeah. So in the intermediate time, we got, you know, this, this, the, the whole story of America, Ukraine, Russia, Crimea is a critical part of that. R Ukraine and the American left want to pretend this like Crimea is still part of Russia. And that's a great open question. Is it part of Ukraine or is it part of Russia? Russia did conquer it, kind of. But then when the Donbass did exactly the opposite, where they said, well, we're not conquered by Russia. We're going to. But we also don't like the fact that you overthrew the friendly governor that was uh, friendly president that was democratically elected and used Nazis to overthrow him. Then we're going to say, oh, man, we're going to we're going to we're going to do a, a referendum and we're going to leave for Russia too, like Crimea. 
And the international community goes, ha, no. And then as soon after that, you get, you know, Russians injecting capital and troops into the Donbass and the Ukrainians doing the same and probably CIA assets. We have Lindsey Graham and John McCain talking to literal Nazis uh, in a bunker someplace about this very thing that we were funded from 2014 all the way up to 2020. And in that intermediate time, you got thousands, tens of thousands of people die in this situation in the Donbass where they weren't allowed to do what they Otherwise, you know, or by the theory of national sovereignty or popular sovereignty, they should be able to do, which is, I don't want to be part of your state anymore. And so we leave. Right. Right. It's in our Declaration of Independence as Americans that that should be the way that it works. Right. That we say like, hey, you know, long list of grievances. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Goodbye. And the other guys, if they're being cool about it, would be like, oh, OK. Yeah, it was a democratic process. Yeah. So they, they uh, it is it is insane that that's a, that's where we wound up. So circa 2021. Uh, they have a deal in, uh, in Ukraine to provide Starlink access, and then they want to go and bomb. One thing here: not only are they but they're bombing the the navy, the Russian fleet there, but they're also bombing the navy capacity in that area, right? So part of the plan was to actually bomb the actual docks and stuff like that in this area with this drone service. Additionally, that in 2020, Ukraine probably bombed the bridge that connects Crimea to Ukraine, like one of the major bridges. And, you know, so once again, is Ukraine treating this territory like it's theirs? Doesn't seem that way at this moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ukraine also bombed one of their own bridges a little while ago. Now, each of these cases, I'm saying they did, but that's because there's no other person who has this incentive, right? Russia wouldn't bomb their own dam to flood their own soldiers. They no. also wouldn't destroy the only bridge that allows them access to southern Ukraine. Or their own pipeline. Right. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> their only yeah. piece of leverage over the EU. Kat, yeah. You're now a recurring guest. Just <laughs> Thank you. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So and we subscribe these motives where we say, oh, we don't know who bombed the bridge. We don't know who bombed that. And we're not in the press is tremendously uncurious. Right. So of course this is probably Ukraine doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've spoken about this too. There is a recurring theme. It's, it's a, a concept from like rules for radicals, right? To blame your opposition for doing the very thing that you yourself are doing mm -hmm. to try to create, you know, to obfuscate the fact that you are actually carrying out the very same thing. I mean, it's the Russian election interference, it's US election interference. It's, oh, well, they bombed this, but actually we bombed this. I mean, it, it it's designed to, I think, feel, I feel like it's designed to create confusion around this so that the the American public or just the the broader global public can't really make sense of what's actually going on, so they can control the narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, totally. Also, yeah, like as Balaji uh, Srinivasan, he has this concept, and he usually applies it to finance markets. But it's uh, it's like meddling things and obfuscating things with like really in technical language. So it makes it really difficult for outsiders to really understand. So he uses it in like finance stuff with the, um, with the banking crisis last year of talking about how there's like banker encoded language. And unless you're kind of like in these spheres, you don't understand what this means. And it's actually that they've been insolvent for forever and you know, like that, that type of stuff. But it, foreign policy is kind of the same way where there's language where it's just like the average person is not going to be able to understand the complexities of all of these elements. It's like your keyhole concept, right? Where they just, they're not going to be able to get it. Like there's too much information right. in the world for them to fully understand. So you have these experts that are then able to kind of control the narrative around certain things just by leaving certain things out, being strangely uncurious about this thing, you know, like mm -hmm. it's kind of, there's no reason why we should have to care about what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. In my humble opinion, right? We shouldn't need to know the inner workings of the foreign policy mechanics here because we have no business there. Well, that was my first thought watching that clip. 
if I was in that audience, I would have thought, well, why do we care what, where, which way Ukraine goes? How does that affect the average U.S. citizen? Yeah, right? exactly. Why, but, do, why do we need Robin? <laughs> like, oh, because it turns out, you know, Hunter Biden was a month after the 2014 coup when we had our preferred government put into place, a month after he got put on the board of Burisma. Mm-hmm. Uh, one month after. So I think everyone was already making money and laundering it through Ukraine. And that's part maybe of why we had an incentive to do that. And why we're still so invested is because maybe there are some loose ends to tie up over there, or maybe there were some implicit conversations or, you know, bribery and who knows what. Right. And I would assume it's beyond, you know, the Biden family, of course, like it's not just about them, but that certainly is, I think, a a good example of the type of corruption that's taken place. How much of our, how much of our politics and so many, every industry, not just foreign policy, how much of our politics is just like covering up money laundering operations. (laughs) (laughs) Like like so much of this stuff, like all these scandals is like, remember like Solyndra under Obama, like it's just like this big slush fund of green energy projects that's going in. And that was a big scandal it's just like so much of this is just money laundering that's right that's just figuring out how to enrich your friends so that's the question is does the crimea count as ukraine is this a defensive maneuver by having them attack the russians in crimea and of course uh, elon's judgment was no because this happened a long time ago and you guys didn't do anything about it then so therefore this isn't that um i'm kind of summarizing i'm not sure if exactly what he said i'm not doing a very good job quoting them but um this is this is a thing where I think the average person gets the impression that the story is you Musk uses his power as evil rich man to thwart <laughs> the noble efforts by Ukraine to get justice. And unfortunately that has nothing to do with reality. Well, I mean, it's also just specifically like Elon himself said in an interview this week that if the president, like the office of the president told him that he has to use Starlink in here, then he would have done it. But like, there's no current, like our current uh, model of what we're doing right now is that Elon doesn't have to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, technically the secretary of state Blinken said Starlink should give Ukraine full use access. Now that doesn't mean they SOS, not the president. Right. And on top of that, he's (laughs) saying what they should freely do, not what the U S government's telling them to do. Right. Which is also additional question. Like a lot of the a lot of the coverage on this was like, should an individual, a wealthy individual be able to have their own foreign policy? Yes. Of course they should. (laughs) You know why? Because if I'm a draft dodger in Vietnam, I should be able to say, no, I don't want to go kill brown people because you tell me to. They didn't do anything to me. Cassius Clay was right. He's the good guy in that story. He's the guy who goes to prison for his principles. You're, You're the guy. And they're saying, oh, draft dodgers should go to jail lefties right now that's what mm-hmm. you're saying right you're saying that this guy shouldn't have a right to be able to say no and even at the I, I personally think if the u.s government says he should provide services for invading russia that he should say no totally <laughs> he should be able to that's because, what private property means yeah and then and if he were if that order were to be given and he were to follow through on that then he is a sole individual that is responsible for escalating the war and moving us closer to nuclear world war three so yeah, i mean like that's a big burden. Yeah, no, and he, he made it very clear. He's like, I want no part in the escalation of nuclear war. Right. Like that's exactly what he said in the interview. Well, and that's exactly what would happen if the president were to come out and say, Elon, you have to turn on Starlink here, right? Is, oh, all of a sudden, instead of just saying we're allowing, uh, we're, we're providing Ukraine with defensive weapons and the means to defend itself from this invasion, they're now directly asking or telling a private company, a private individual to help them now, uh, you know, execute an aggressive war against Russia by way of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So that would be the administration basically saying, 
okay, all the illusions are, are gone. We're no longer just trying to help Ukraine achieve its, its freedom. We're now actually executing a, pro- a proxy war against Russia. And if we were to do that, like, wouldn't that require a declaration of war? I wish I had a drum set. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't do those anymore. I know. That's so, like, that's what is 20th this? century. That's, that's so 1940s. What, yeah. <laughs> what is exactly. this, Korea? <laughs> yeah. You have questions about our policing actions? <laughs> right. This wouldn't be a war. This would be a minor kinetic engagement. Kinetic yeah. engagement. A police right. action. God, that literally sending <laughs> ballistic missiles that are like it's a minor you know kinetic engagement <laughs> nothing it's it, nothing it's, 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 it's been almost 80 years since we've had a de- declaration of war i think it was the last one was like 1945 yeah so yeah and right. how it's i almost mean almost 80 years and and how many people have we killed around the world since then a lot oh. a lot of gen- a lot of uh, Amer- american sponsored genocides right mm-hmm. how many actually do you I guys think i I mean, I mean, the 20th I, century alone was just I, the I, Iraq war is a million. Yeah. yeah. Right, y- so. Yemen is a million. Although we weren't directly military, like we were just basically helping the Saudis conduct genocide. Right. But if it's Korea, yeah. Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iraq war one, Iraq war two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Goal yeah. for this. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. It's all the lot. drone strikes. Yeah. The all drone of Obama's strikes. drone strikes. Mm hmm. <laughs> It's a lot of people. No just congressional authority. Yeah. Just a couple. So the, one of the, one, <laughs> and returning to the question of this, I, I do want to know, and something I haven't, I've, I haven't seen anyone say, but I, I suspect it might be true, is my guess is a lot of this, both both it's just interesting because this is something that happened a year ago and it came out because of this, autobiography, this biography this guy wrote about Musk. But also, it's a good distraction from the failure of the spring offensive that never was. Right, because now they can say, "Well, it would have gone great," but Elon. Oh, now they can just blame it on Elon. Right. Elon didn't help, so right. the Ukrainians couldn't. Right, couldn't they do can. It. They can. They could have someone to blame. Well, that's going to play well with the base because the left base loves to hate on Elon. Yep. It, is cra- it is crazy how he was such a hero to the left for a period of time because yeah. electric cars, all this, and now it's just like he is the great villain. Mm. It's, it's quite fun. true. It's very They're fun. also the party of like. Remember Hillary's Russia reset. No. During the Obama uh, presidency when she was secretary of state and they had all, they had a whole policy. It was going to be a Russia reset. Yeah. And she literally, we should, well, I wish I am thinking of it now, so I don't have a video queued up for you, but there's this we'll hilarious video people should look up where she like that, you know, they had some sort of like press conference photo op and she literally presented her counterpart in Russia with like a button as like a prop for like a reset. And it no. had, it was supposed to say reset in Russian, but I think it said something like, Oh gosh. It, it wasn't translated correctly. So it was actually like, it wasn't the right Russian word and it actually uh, was like beautifully ironic like and kind World of insulting. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh. but, but yeah, like the left is completely, I mean, they've done a total, well, they're unprincipled. So they've done a total <laughs> one, a 180 well, well, on these things. Yeah, like same thing with- They're uh, anti-war. Remember like Obama, it. Obama, like um, to Mitt Romney in the debates is like the Soviet Union called, they want their foreign policy back or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. yep. Right, that, that whole thing. Cause yeah, it's just- it's interesting how the flip-flop happens mm-hmm. so quickly. It really is. Well, and, um, and you know about that directly if you look at what happened to the neocons after Obama left, or after Bush left office. They say in the Republican Party, obviously Victoria Nuland and other folks like that say in the Democrat Party, and then once Trump came along, they all moved to become Democrats, right? And that's yeah. the interesting dynamic that oh, we... Sorry. Ah! Sorry. That's the interesting dynamic we come into right now with all of the presidential debates and all that kind of stuff. What's where's my, where's Republican foreign policy going from here? Cause we've lost the neocons. Right. So who's going to be now? Ooh, I, well, I do have the Hillary video. Oh, good. Oh. Pretty sure it's 30 seconds here. 
I wanted to uh, present you, which represents what President Obama and Vice President Biden and I have been saying, and that is, we want to reset our relationship. And so we will do it together. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked up the word. <laughs> that one was a joke video, but still, it's good. That's, that's what, it is. <laughs> what was the word? So, so it was supposed to say reset. They translate it to a Russian word that I think you pronounce like pregruska, and it actually means in English it means overloaded or overcharged. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, you couldn't write this stuff. It's wow. Oh geez. So that's anyway. the white pill is that is that Elon stopped this from happening. The the black pill, the downside is that they did it anyways with defensive ballistic missiles from the UK. From the UK. Well, I can't say defensive ballistic missiles with a straight face. That's well, well they, they were they were defensive because they wrote defensive on yeah, right. the missiles, right? So just to right. be clear. It's actually okay. a big D and then a fence sign. Defense. Yeah. <laughs> So 9-11 uh, happened this week, guys. You got thoughts? <laughs> Joe's got thoughts. <laughs> no, he doesn't. The dead air actually made the way back. <laughs> so uh, one of the things I noticed is, did you notice that when you look up anything on 9-11 now on YouTube, it has the COVID thing comes up, but it's the Encyclopedia Britannica's account of the events of 9-11. Hmm. Hmm. There, there's like... There's a weird thing that's happening there. That's right. Interesting. Right. And like, who came up with the list of the things that YouTube is going to make sure I know what the Encyclopedia Botanica thinks of, you know, or the World Health Organization or whatever. Like, where did that list come from? Why would well, we, we have list? to assume everything that happened with the Twitter files is also happening with all these other companies, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah, of, this is what you're supposed to say. This is what you should push people to, Right. This well, is proper climate science. This is not not to mm -hmm. not to change the subject, but uh, I mean, it did just come out that the Biden administration, in light of the impeachment coming forward, directly issued a memo to executives of media companies, mainstream media companies, saying, "You guys need to push back on Republicans. You need to you need to criticize them to draw basically to draw attention away from this, right?" So I mean, and then journalists tweeted it out. And yeah. like reshared it publicly, like as if that isn't compromising or problematic. I mean, to I, reveal. apparently only to those of us paying attention, right. but to, I mean, I don't know. Do other people not, just not even, it's, it's no different than a press release, right? Yeah. It's just coming from yeah, someone who has a tremendous amount of access leverage. Meaning like, if you don't do this from our angle, we won't let you do our press this, precincts but, but and all the press members who want to go to the press precincts then take it very seriously. But, but it was this, like an explicit call for the media as a whole right. to attack Republicans. Right. Like, like it doesn't. They don't get need that instruction. Is what well, yeah, well, they don't. <laughs> they don't have to say it out loud. <laughs> it was quite true. Quite the true. Right like, wing... I know. I know. What? <laughs> yeah. We're working on it. Okay. Right wing media was pretty like blown away that the left just like so publicly shared it. Mm. You know, like they just all started retweeting it. Like, okay, guys, this is what we're doing. And I mean, to me, it speaks. It speaks to just the the level of hubris involved in how much they think they have the game sewn up, mm. right? They're like, we can just, we don't need to hide this stuff anymore. We can just do it because nobody cares or everyone's on our side or whatever their rationale there is. It's just right. kind of shocking to me, but no, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, up until recently, there hasn't been a good right wing 
area where they could talk about these things, right? Like there, there just hasn't been like Elon took over Twitter. Now there's other types of right wing social media platforms, parlor and truth and all that stuff. Right. And rumble. And, you know, up until this point, we had several years there where just the journalists were kind of all in this, like this circle, just retweeting each other, and nobody could kind of poke at it at all. Right. There's so no when Kamala Harris says the three thing, three worst things that happened in American history: Pearl Harbor, 9/11, and January 6th. And then everyone goes like, "Yeah, that sounds like a good list." That's yeah. reasonable. Not, <laughs> not the massacre of wounded. Not, not the. Not the Civil War. I mean, come on, lady. Like, there's... there's Japanese internment. Yeah, there's a million things oh, you yeah. could point to that are far more <laughs> oh, tragic. <yeah. laughs> no, that, that's always... Because you always see these types, like, these exact types that are always just like, FDR was the best president. You're just like, which internment camp was your favorite? Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, funny story. Ukraine has internment camps. So anyways, uh, <laughs> I just got to make that into a thing. Wow. Um, so, uh, Building 7 trended on Twitter for, like, all day <laughs> on 9-11 which was crazy to me can you believe that like that wouldn't have been allowed to happen not too long ago yeah true true i mean they would have been like building seven like suppress 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 i mean <laughs> interesting moment quite true yeah what do you uh, what do you make of building seven david <laughs> <laughs> what about building seven <laughs> it probably was lit on fire from burned all day and collapsed it is interesting that the popular mechanics assessment of this, what it assesses, like when I looked this up, because I remember back in the day, I was watched Loose Change, and I was very interested in all the 9-11 conspiracy theories, as because I find conspiracy theories interesting in general. And I, I was actually the target audience, I think. Here's why. I think conspiracy theories, especially 9-11 conspiracy theories, can detract from the foreign policy decisions that were made before 9-11 that resulted in 9-11. The theory of blowback, for example, that Ron Paul did such a good job uh, like highlighting in 2008 wasn't known in 2001. But if what you looked at it and you were at all an anti-government person, you really quickly got sucked into that and you didn't ask the question, why did they attack us? So if you're convinced that there was an inside job, you don't have to ask the question, why did they attack us? So at least, I don't think that's an intentional role, but it is a sociological result. When I look at like Building 7 specifically, what I think is interesting is that in order to explain it, popular mechanics basically, and uh, what was the article I linked to? I sent it to you and the group, Kyle. Was it Princeton University, I want to say? Ah, oh, shoot. I can't remember. Our university effectively did a remodeling of the entire building and the conditions, uh, like a physical modeling. And what they discovered was a new way for a building to fall, which is interesting. Right, because buildings don't fall often. They do fall, right? But they don't fall often from fires. But they do fall. And they've never witnessed one that fell this way. So they're like, but it's mechanically, like sensibly possible given our understanding of physics. The temperature in which these fires happen, the construction of the building, the age of the building, materials. All Size that. of the charges placed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the, the kind of the, the thing is, I like that there's becoming a much more healthy skepticism of a lot of things, right? Like, and you even had uh, Vivek recently was mm -hmm. talking about like, well, we should know what 
actually happened. Like we don't, we clearly don't know the truth because there's all this redacted information. We clearly mm-hmm. don't know. There was clearly, clearly Saudi involvement that existed here and knowledge. And now you have DeSantis that's also coming out kind of late to the party, but demanding this information just as copy well. copy Vivek. Yeah. Totally. De- DeSantis has a very, <laughs> let's just copy Vivek strategy three weeks later kind of a thing. <laughs> it's a good strategy. Very interesting strategy. That's what we would say in the Vivek fan club. Um, but yeah, that's a great, I, I get you, man. I, I'm, I'm in the, I think it's good that people question. What I want people to do is question with the full ability to say, I'm not an expert in mechanics or physics. So when they say buildings don't fall, don't go into free fall without charges. I'm like, okay. But, or they say, what, what's the other popular meme? Um, jet fuel that can't melt. Steel. Steel. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, structural damage and how that works and how buildings collapse. I don't know anything about but popular mechanics does is popular mechanics a CIA op? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, but probably it, not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but probably not. Which right? which NGO in the CIA front is right? <laughs> they probably make their money by selling <laughs> magazines. Probably, and it would be a very long con for, for the CIA to own popular mechanics. Wait, magazines for like foreign decades. affairs or magazines like <laughs> oh, popular man, mechanics, man. which has been writing about <laughs> mechanical things for hundred for a hundred years, and then all of a sudden is now owned. But I just don't think that's likely. It could be possibly, but when I'm paying the odds here and what I do know, it's unlikely. I have a genuine question. Yeah. About Building Seven. Mm-hmm. Genuine, just off the top of my mind, with what you had just described. I'm totally willing. That makes sense. Fires caused enough structural damage that it collapsed eventually. What are they? What's the theory on where the how the fire started? Just from like the initial explosion, just somehow debris hit falling. just debris fell, hit the building, mm-hmm. penetrated it. Mm-hmm. And also, there was um, um, it's understandable that that the the structure. One of the things that I'm always trying to wrap my mind around is how big of a thing we're talking about. Like that, for example, like the fact that there are seven buildings in, on the World Trade Center, I had no idea, right? Yeah. Until 9-11, right? Um, that the height difference and the fall difference and how the material and the collapse actually goes below the bottom of the building, right? Because everything has a subfloor sure. and everything actually shares an infrastructure in the subfloor. So there's a fire underneath the subfloor oh. too. So other buildings were actually damaged, like a nearby church and things like that from the towers falling. Additionally, the subfloor damage was substantial as well, which undermined the underlying um, integrity of, integrity the, of the building, yeah. which was one of the reasons why it fell the way it did too. That makes sense. So it, it's, but the thing is, is anytime you talk about it, you sound like a nut no matter what you say, right? Because yeah. even if you say, well, actually... It, it, there is a there is a, a physical explanation for this that isn't thermite paint, you know, that is, you know, which... Why are you looking at me, dude? Which is possible, <laughs> but unlikely. <laughs> Once again, I'm not... I'm I, just a good... I'm, I just take the, the contrarian arguments here so I can foil. It's just entertainment. That's your role. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we actually don't... None of us believe anything that we say. We just... <laughs> just entirely we're, we're just taking on roles. We're actors. That's right. <laughs> No, I, my, my biggest beef with the whole thing, and, and I can't say that I, I, you know, I'm any expert on any of these things. I'm not an engineer or anything like that. Uh, my biggest beef is ex- pretty much exactly what, what Kyle alluded to. There's so much redaction. There was so, so much testimony given off the record, behind closed doors, et cetera. The public just doesn't even have a, a single clue as to actually what happened. Um, 
And yet there's this like the public facing narrative that just came out immediately after 9-11 happened, right? Like, oh, we just, we absolutely know it was Al-Qaeda. We absolutely know it was this, you know, we know these are the hijackers names. One of their passports uh, somehow made its way out of the building and landed on the street. They found it, right? Like this out of was the in plane, the out of the building, yeah. onto the street. Like there's just so many strange occurrences where you're just like, Okay, what? Yeah, I never know about the physical evidence of that. I heard that accused, but did they actually have physical evidence I mean, of the passport? The, there was a, a news report I've seen footage of. Yeah. It's like, we found a passport of one of the hijackers of the plane. It yeah. fell to the street. Doesn't seem likely. Like, okay, what? That could also yeah. be just like placed. But that could just be a... It could, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. It could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know... It could, it, could be, it could be another government specifically placing evidence to try to undermine American it faith. It could be that government. stuff, right? I mean... Counter all... ops is a real thing, too. Yeah. Right. So that that's my big thing is like i don't think we have the real we keep real talking story. over cat Sorry, no Kat. no no uh i could maybe it's both maybe both things are true like maybe terrorists really did blow these buildings up and maybe the government used it as an opportunity to for a unethical uh, war i love how we're framing <laughs> it as, I, I love how we're framing it as maybe terrorists blew it up <laughs> <laughs> terrorists i'm not a 9 11 truther I'm, I'm just saying like both things could be true yeah. Yeah, ter- well it, it, yes I, and i don't think actually that's disputed right it's the easy question is what was the what the easy question is was the fallout from it well handled by our leaders yeah right. obviously not like that's not that's not the debatable run there's a whole different order of evidence question too that i want to highlight and this is an error that the media makes when they call Vivek a 9-11 truther. There's a very different order of, hey, they didn't tell us everything about the 9-11 that should have, such as, like, what well, we found out because of Operation Encore, which is that the CIA likely cultivated a direct relationship with, and the FBI, with two of the hijackers before it happened. Right now, that was covered up, and we know that was covered up now because of Operation Encore, and we now know that. That is important so that we can reform the intelligence agencies, but they want to cover it up, right? So if we talk about whether or not that's that's a very different order of evidence of something that's likelihood, right? That the that the intelligence community screwed up and they covered it up because they knew about it and they failed to stop it is one thing. That they planned and executed it is another one, right? So treating those two claims very separately and saying one does not justify the other. That's what the media's done. They said like, oh, Vivek is saying that the intelligence community screwed up and they didn't tell us everything about our CIA assets, much less Saudi Arabia's involvement and therefore thermal paint and building right. seven was to erase the debt of somebody or that the whole thing was planned by the guy who owned the place because he took out insurance policy on it beforehand. Well, it is, it is an interesting coincidence that the plane that hit the Pentagon hit the... Um, the like budget department right right like days after rumsfeld had come out and saying we lost We're, like missing about a trillion dollars from the military budget yeah, right but, they, but there's <laughs> also a lot of interesting shorts that happen on the stock market right before too there's some interesting mm-hmm. paper trails that exist there but also like mm-hmm. to kind of give some credence to the conspiracy theorists around this is like Operation Paperclip has been declassified and Operation Paperclip was the CIA coming to JFK and trying to get him to arm Cuban friendlies to attack as, uh, as military. Northwoods or sorry yeah, North Paperclip was Paper us getting Nazi, uh, Nazi uh, yeah, scientists. Yeah, sorry. I, I get yeah. the operations. No, I get, up, it, I get it. I get There's it. So I There's so many. There's so many. You said it wrong, but I had to remember. Yeah, Operation Northwoods. No, yes. thanks for correcting me. Yeah. For <laughs> arbing uh, Cuban friendlies to attack a U.S. military base in order to pull us into war with Cuba. Or even bombing Miami. Now, that said... RFK JFK did fire that dude after that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that the important thing to remember. He wanted that to it, do away with the CIA. Yeah. He wanted to break it into a million pieces. Right. They, so like they the, died. the, the idea <laughs> that therefore the same, then these are completely different people too. That said company culture matters a lot. 
mm-hmm. right? And these are the folks that, you know, there's, there's all kinds of questions. You could have lots of questions about Oklahoma City and other sorts of things that you could say like, hey, was there involvement by intelligence agencies here? All I'm saying is that, yes, you want to, tr- I'm saying you don't, don't discount that completely, but treat that with a level of evidence for an extraordinary claim. And then treat things like our intelligence community is corrupt and maybe incompetent and screwed up majorly here and treat that as a different evidence claim. And then treat like the things that we know about the cause of the war with, we know what caused this war. We know why they bombed us because they told us. We know who they bombed, who, who did it because they told us. And they did it not because, and they did it so that we would invade their country. And uh, uh, so we would invade Afghanistan and get bogged down in a war that would bankrupt, bankrupt us, which it has. Which sure. we've done, right? That is way more important to me totally. because we know that shit. Don't disagree yeah. with that at all. So, and that and that's what bothers me is like you got a lot of people who would make great activists be able to point out the fact that we literally read the dude's manifesto, and then we did his playbook on how to end ourselves <laughs> as our strategy to end him. Wasn't uh, I mean you're talking about Osama bin Laden? Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he um, like? Trained by the CIA to fight to against fight the, the Russians uh, for the Mujahideen in the Cold War. Trained by the CIA. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So once an asset, always an asset. Well, unless the asset turns against it, it wouldn't be the first asset to turn against. Yeah, it. there's no, a lot not, of assets that turn away and kind of become their own thing. Yeah, right? Totally. Right. Totally. Just drawing a you know connection there. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, everyone, the, who we whoever we are funding, we will probably fight in the near future. No, this we, is we will certain. be fighting Nazis in Ukraine I, yeah. <laughs> next week. <laughs> we will. <laughs> like, yep. so I, I don't think it's, and that's a problem I have too, is like, it is too simple just to point to his connection to the CIA and say that therefore he's still an asset. Well, no, no, no. that's not what I'm saying at all. I know you're not. I know you're not. I, I think some people on the internet do though. Sure. Um, and I think it's a bad argument, right? Because we oftentimes see our current foreign policy situation as the end game, right? It's like, we're always at the end game. We're always, there's always like the cliff off of the future. And it's like five years ahead, maybe three years ahead. Right. And we're always just dealing with the urgent. So we keep on having to pay the penalties for that short run ver- vision that we've had going all the way back to core. It was not necessary for us to invest in the Mujahideen in the cold war. They didn't need us, but we did it anyways. Right. Cause we, the domino theory and all these other ideas. Right. We'd spin the R- Russians into oblivion. That would be what would destroy the R- Soviet Union. Turns yeah. out it was blue jeans, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turns out rock and roll. Yeah, you guys know that story, right? Uh, why don't you refresh our audience? Yeah, yeah. So the, the the theory is what ended the Soviet Union was not the American military spending, which is the neocon explanation, right? It wasn't the uh, you know, Reagan giving speeches in front of a wall saying, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear it on that wall." Although it was a really epic speech. Good job, Reagan. It was that we had things like cars and blue jeans and they wanted them. That's what did it, right? A third generation of Russians grew up that weren't connected to the revolution, didn't know anything about the czar, didn't have to com- you know, commit violence against their neighbors in order to get the revolution. But they did like Coca-Cola and they would get a can of Coca-Cola in Lithuania and literally share it around the entire village and then like put it on a mantle because they got <laughs> it, right? Because that's how rare it was. It was our liberalism, in the classical sense, <laughs> that brought them out of communism, right? Not us threatening them, well, not the, us and, spending against them in yeah. Afghanistan. Totally. In other words, their their uh, backwards economic system that's not based on like natural law or human behavior is what failed eventually. Right, and right. then and then on top of that, some sense. very like if you sense. read the white, it was inevitable. Yeah, the very noble 
actions of Gorbachev and others to say, no, I will not crack down. I'm going to let this system evolve out. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this, right. it took it took very specific leaders who were committed to not doing violence. And there was a moment in the White Pill, too, where Malice described um, a guy from the Soviet Union that came over to America. It was like an ambassador or something. I can't remember. And then he went back and he was just like crying on the plane because he was like, I, he realized he was being lied to after he actually saw what was over here. And, you know, it's it's kind of, we talk about breaking down illusions and this is kind of how you, there's a lot of magic words that are cast on people so they think certain things about their country and how things operate. But this is exactly how they keep uh, 24 million prisoners in North Korea contained. Is they, the North Koreans believe that there's nobody better than them, right? Like they believe that they are the ultimate pinnacle right now, mm. uh, at least for the most part, most people within the country. And that's just like an illusion that's shrouded over the entire country. Mm. And as like Kat was saying, it's like, that's why the internet's so important. That's why free speech yeah. is so important because it allows us to break down those illusions. So do you guys want to break down the illusion of Gavin Newsom as some kind of master <laughs> Yeah, we can, we can close out with that. Man, yes. well, we got that. We got Donald Trump pretty much being asked the same question. So we got to do both of those because the crossover is delicious. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me grab. During COVID, um, you, you were pretty strict with the lockdowns here. A little. And uh, <laughs> it was an interesting piece in Harper's. Just a little. Sort of was criti- critical of your decisions from this perspective. You found a way to allow the motion picture industry and, some, and, the, and the sort of the movie industry to get back to work. But you didn't allow people to grieve together at funerals or at churches. And that it sort of, and that this may be why there's such a polarized disconnect. What, what you prioritize, right? This is this anger between the populace and the elite, supposedly. Here you prioritize this industry, but you, you know, you were tougher like dining at the French Laundry, right? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. On those that just wanted to go worship. Um, a, what do you say to that, Chris? I think there's a lot of humility, and we didn't know what we didn't know, and it was hardly <laughs> I. Uh, it was we, collectively. Ancient. And I think all of us, in, in terms of our collective wisdom, we've evolved. We didn't know what we didn't know. We're experts in hindsight. We're all geniuses. But think about what, we pri- what, you pri- what you ended up collectively prioritizing. You're prioritizing an industry, you know, well, one, and, and one specific one, but then didn't prioritize maybe ones that whose maybe values you didn't connect with. I don't think it's a binary. There was iterations within that theme. There was there was fits and starts. There were regional frameworks mm-hmm. uh, that had impacts more broadly defined. There were more industry specific uh, uh, frameworks. All of us went through a process. I mean, there was few states that didn't go into aggressive lockdowns, including uh, Florida's Ron DeSantis. No, I understand that, but it was and, more but of, with, but within the framework who, of the who industries. opened the door. It's what industry got. Yeah. leniency in which, yeah, which no, one's all of it is All of it is legitimate in terms of reflection. All of it right. is legitimate in terms of processing lessons learned. We went through a process. I actually had at Sunnylands, which is the Camp David on the West Coast. Right. We brought together experts across the spectrum, people that supported our efforts, mm-hmm. people that opposed them, international experts. And we spent three days really reflecting, stress testing what we did right, what we did wrong. We're actually putting out a report as it relates to our own lessons learned. I think this country would do well to advance a similar construct, not through the lens or prisms of an ideology, uh, but through- You think the there should be almost of, like a 9-11 commission on what well, lessons learned from this been, pandemic? There's been versions of that, mm-hmm. uh, but they're immediately dismissed within the prism of our partisan frame. And right. so I'm at least trying to work across that and in context of all- What is local, something you do differently? Well, I think oh, no, no. we would have done everything differently. Because we understood, we would understand outdoors as an example. Class. The nature. You wouldn't have shut schools down. You'd try to figure out how to maybe have outdoor classrooms. 
No, that's not. Well, now you're getting. I'm, I'm being. I'm, wait, but wait. I think the nature of the spread early on, and understanding epidemiology of that spread, understanding mm-hmm. the spread in the context of how it spread very differently indoors mm-hmm. than outdoors, is one perfect example. Of what a lot of us would have done differently, including again in states, red mm-hmm. states, that shut down their beaches mm-hmm. in the early part of the pandemic. I think a deeper understanding of around mask and mask wearing and. Yeah. N95s, KN95s, you go through a process across the spectrum in terms of being prepared, issues related to uh, how we fundamentally address the distribution of vaccines and the prioritization. You want to talk about prioritizations early on Mm -hmm. in terms of those vaccines. You go through a series of things, uh, and there's so many things we could have done differently. You think this country can handle another pandemic, or do you think it would break us? I think we have to. We're a resilient country, so it wouldn't break us. But uh, I'm not convinced we've learned the lessons from the last one, and I think science took a big hit. I think the health. Yeah, read the history books of 1918. We're still trying to figure out. Yeah, no, and I. But but that's. I mean, that's Pandemics alarming. Divide people. That's alarming. It should be alarming to all of us that that all of a sudden health became partisan, uh, and that's something we're going to pay a big price. You're right, going forward, but it won't break us because we're remarkably resilient. It, it became partisan because you arrested a man trying to surf, <laughs> you tyrant. This was in April. April. You had four months to figure this out. The rest of us figured this out. You had two years, and you were still put, telling people to put a mask on outside or eat outside, and you can't have it inside. Masking. I mean, come on. Like this whole, like, we would do things differently. You're compressing two to three years of action into, uh, well, you know, mistakes were made. Like, it's so frustrating to watch that. Well, especially when in the height of the pandemic, he was very hypocritically going out to eat without a mask. And, you know, I mean, this was this wasn't isolated to Gavin Newsom, but it was a, it was, you know, throughout the sort of political elite class of like expecting that they could have parties like Boris Johnson did in London with all these people at this flat and, you know, going out to eat or whatever it was like, that was a common thing. Meanwhile, everybody else just had to like mask up and socially distance and not be able to hug grandma and, and, you know, endure that like literal torture for, for two years. It's <laughs> incredibly hypocritical. Absolutely. Additionally that the galas, that's what always got me. Oh yeah. Do you remember where, the pictures of the people on the gala? Where like all the staff are masked up, but all the like oh, beautiful yeah. people are all, all the people it. serving them are masked and everyone else gets to be free. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely despicable. And this guy let it go on, not for a month, not for two weeks. And then he got new data. This guy talks about it. Like, yo, I had it for four months and then I got new data, not six months, not eight months. You can have a baby in eight months. This yeah. month didn't change his mind about uh, the coronavirus for two years before he made up a, his mind and changed anything. And even then, he didn't apologize. There was no apology in there. There was no, hey, we screwed up and we didn't let you see your dying grandmother. There was, ah, mistakes were made. And re- guess what? Red states made them too. Like, that's too quoque. It's a, it's a philosophical error. You did it too. Therefore, you can't judge me. No, that's not what virtue is. Virtue is an objective standard of behavior. It is, do you do what you say you will do? It is, you see new data and you have an allegiance to liberty and then you follow that data, right? You say you have something that matters to you and then you actually follow through on it. That's virtue. That's integrity. What he did was shift the blame and say, well, everyone screwed up. Well, no, number one, not everyone did. There are plenty of people who said no and you shamed them and you told them they were grandma killers. And two... Blaming on the Republicans for doing bad things, too, is not good enough, and it won't be good enough. 
I think where people can go forward from this is not allowing themselves to be uh, abused by that narrative again. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, we, he also like could have had access to new data had his same party not censored it for multiple years. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we knew this stuff. I mean, we could have known fairly early on that this was not, we could have had an open debate fairly early on. The Great Barrington Declaration was mm. a group of scientists that got together and said the shutdowns are going to cause more harm than good. And they were absolutely censored and prevented from sharing their perspective. And they were absolutely right. And they were totally right. Yeah, they've been vindicated now. Um, in part because we realized like they were legitimately censored by the federal government. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's just like a total cop out. Like we could have, you know, his and he was fully on board with what the left was doing throughout the pandemic. And to your point, David, that, I mean, it was multiple years. We had plenty of time to figure this shit out right. and we didn't. So the Great Barrington Declaration was in October. 10 months and, yeah. then, and then they yeah. got all this stuff together and they finally said no this is not we can't lock down again and this guy did it again and then he's trying to say he was just in panic from the thing just happening you had right. 10 months bro okay so here's, here's a question do we think that he could possibly lock down california again say there's a variant that crops yes. up this one can he have just sat there and said that and then still go and lock down California. Yeah, because yeah. he never said it was off the table. He just said, oh, we just got to reflect. And we just got to recognize our problems that are brought together all the smartest people. And, you know, like. Well, all I, he would have to say is the circumstances are different this time. It's different than COVID. Well, and I, I think needed. the general population of California. Yeah. We'll just go along with it. <laughs> totally. Like everybody that hated it, for, for the, or not everybody, but a lot of people that hated it, they all exiled to Texas and, uh, and Florida, right? Or and like Montana. my family, like I come from a... a uh, conservative libertarian family and they all went along with it. Nobody yeah. pushed back. Hmm. Nobody they even had, willingly? yeah, I mean they complained about it, Yeah, but nobody frankly had like the guts to not wear a mask in a restaurant. You know, I shared earlier off, off the show that I like, well, I went home for Easter one year, like multiple years into this thing. It must be, I think it was 2021. And, uh, and we went into a restaurant with family and I didn't wear a mask and like everyone was visibly uncomfortable that I wasn't obeying, you know? And, and at a certain point they're like, we're going to get kicked out, you know? But I mean, they are, you're so programmed there. I mean, you really are. It took me a long time. I had to like recover from being raised <laughs> in California. So I think you're right. The populace unfortunately is so cowed into obedience that I think it'd be really easy to do this again. Yeah. And they had vaccine mandates too. It wasn't just masks and lockdowns mm -hmm. and stuff like they required vaccination to go to concerts in San Francisco, to go to bars and restaurants. Like that was a thing for a while. Yeah. I think they, they still do in some areas, don't they? I, Aren't there still like a lot of venues in California that still require it? Perhaps. I don't know if people are still like checking it. Like, I think mm -hmm. you can go into a bar and nobody's going to ask for it, but maybe on the books. I think it's, it's like, still? I think it's like big concert venues might still be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Do you want to see Donald Trump respond to the same pressure? <laughs> it's delicious. It's yeah, the, the Megyn Kelly interview with Trump was actually quite interesting. I, I watched the whole thing, but uh, he, she did press him on his record on COVID as well. You've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time well, in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically... 
The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way, you yeah. made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus. Task you think so? That he was out at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Presidential commendation, one went out Mark Somebody Miller probably too. handed him a commendation. He probably, but let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. And on COVID, if you know what I did, I let the governors run their states. And many of the governors uh, opened up their states. Some of them didn't. Florida, that, by the way, true. Florida, by the way, was closed. Uh, but if you take a look at Henry McMaster, he had his state, uh, South Carolina, open. Uh, you take a look at uh, South Dakota. Take a look at Tennessee. A lot of the states were not closed. And I allowed, it's the federalist system. I allowed the governors to do that. I also allowed Democrat governors to do that, but I don't think any of them, none of them did it. Uh, Wouldn't you like to go back and try to clip his wings? This guy was pushing mask mandates on us. He wanted the most extreme measure at every turn. Okay, look, I'm not one that blames a system that if you're civil service or if you have some other protection that you can't get fired because I've done things that are a lot worse than that. You're big on the firing. So, so yeah, I fired a lot of people. I fired Comey. And that was one of the great firings. I fired Comey, and then I fired a lot of other people in the FBI. It's the and greatest firing. Great firings because the deep state, and they were at work, Frankly. and they were not good people. Uh, but I wasn't, I was not a big fan of Fauci. If you look at Ron DeSanctimonious, he was, this guy said the greatest things. I can give you articles that, well, Fauci's great. He's wonderful. We love him. We don't do anything without Fauci. This went on for months. But he didn't listen to Fauci. Uh, he did a hundred percent. Look, he shut down. Florida I will for a give month. you. He shut down Florida for a month. Oh, he shut it down for a lot of long. He shut down the beaches. He shut down the roads. He shut down the hospital. He was shutting down everything. He also had long lines of people getting the jab, as he called it. Let's all go get the jab. The guy tried to change history in Florida. Now, eventually, Florida was open, but a lot of these other governors didn't shut down at all. South Dakota didn't shut down. McMaster, South Carolina, didn't shut down. Tennessee, there are states that didn't shut down at all. They probably did the best job. But Ron DeSantis was on a, under a lot of pressure, especially given the population, the age of a lot of Florida's I'm citizens. Saying, I'm not trying to, to blame anybody, okay. but he should say, I closed it down. Eventually we opened it, but I closed it down. But I gave him the right to keep it open if he wanted to. I let the governors make the determination as to whether or not to close it down. But let me ask you this, because this is the number one question I asked my audience. You know, this is, what would you like me to ask? What's so frustrating here fans. is that he is, if he can't claim with the governor, okay, so I took it pretty seriously when he said he didn't know who his government was killing with the CIA while he was president. I was like, that's a bad thing. Now he's making it seem like he can't, he, he doesn't even know who's getting the presidential congressional's medals for op, Operation Warp Speed. Like that wasn't his decision. Come on. Come on. 
Like, it's one thing to claim like, oh man, I did sell Amani because that's a popular one, but I don't want to give get credit for other things. But you didn't know who was getting the congressional medals around presidential medal presidential medals i mean maybe he does, maybe somebody's like here's a <laughs> binder and these people are going to get medals today sign the thing okay sign the thing he's got a million things to do. maybe that's a possibility yeah right at that time though considering the context and how high profile found i mean they're yeah. on stage yeah. almost every other day together right he must have done that yeah, that's it does seem like a bit of a you know deflection well and at the time it was very important because remember the left was against the vaccines at the time Mm -hmm. and so when he was introducing operation warp speed like it was a very big victory that this was all going through because remember it was like kamala harris was in the on the debate stage i'm not taking a trump vaccine and so like it the roles were reversed here at the time additionally that i have to imagine he did at least on the pr level additionally that like he knows that the only reason the shutdowns can happen is because he issued a emergency declaration right like he does know that correct no, i don't know if he does because <laughs> that's like the I thing that bothers that. me here because he's literally <laughs> like oh well some people didn't shut down at all and you're like but bro the fact that they could any of them could shut down is in may you still had a declaration of emergency in june in april in october of the election year you still had that open you could have stopped that why didn't you like that's a good. That's like a, that I would be a question. great question for him, right? I mean, like, I don't does she have? She said the number one question. <clears throat> she was about to ask it. Do we want to watch that one too and just see what that is? Yeah. What's the cool. number one question? I just had to do with the vaccine. Oh. You trying ahead. to not, you're trying to this not get us canceled? This is the number one question they wanted me to ask you. That you shut the country down for six weeks in spring of 2020. Operation Warp Speed. Excuse me. Rush right? through. I didn't really. Let me, let me, I, let me ask no, their no, question. This I is let, my audience's question. I, I got to get know, it out. But I let the governors shut down. Some did and some didn't. Okay. Some didn't shut down at Operation all. Operation Warp Speed, though. Yeah. That was on the vaccines. They were rushed through. They have helped but also hurt a lot of people. And your White House actually supported mask mandates. So wouldn't you like a do-over on any of that? Look, when this came in, nobody knew what the hell it was. It sounded like an ancient, you know, pandemic. You thought that was from 200 years ago or from 1917. We never thought you'd have a pandemic. Nobody had any idea. We got word that bad things were happening in China right around the Wuhan clinic. And I was the one that said it was in the Wuhan clinic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I stuck with it, and it was. It was absolutely... It came out of the Wuhan clinic. But you take a look, and what we did was, we, this was brand new. Nobody knew what the hell it was. There's dust. Somebody said there's dust coming in from China, and it's killing people in Italy, and it's killing people in France, and it's going to kill people here. Dust? And by the way, I shut it down to China. Dust. That was a big move. I saved thousands, Who hundreds of thousands of lives by doing it. But honestly, nobody, I don't blame a lot of people because nobody knew what it was. How now we do understand exactly it somewhat. It really, really is like, it kind of is, yeah. Fully. Yeah. We didn't know. Yeah. And, we and did the best we could. And, and, and like, it, there's an interesting part of it. He's like, everyone give me credit for the vaccine. Now they should give me credit, all these Democrats. And like, bro, the only reason they could shut down is because the trillions and trillions of dollars of spending that you signed in the year of 2020. Also, he seems to, in an attempt to slam Ron DeSantis, he seems to speak of the jab in a derogatory way, but he normally, historically, is taking credit, you know, for exactly, Operation yeah. Warp Speed. Yeah. So that's I mean, like, hypocritical. The inflation problem that we suffer from now is because of the expansion of the money supply with the simultaneous shutdown of the economy 
as a result of all the money printing that happened from COVID stimulus spending during your presidency, bro. You don't get to blame him for shutting down his state when you're the one who decided to subsidize it. Right. Right. We did five rounds of this madness. Five. By the last one, we were bailing out Indiana's pension funds <laughs> from COVID. Yeah. What? Frankly, champion of states' rights, okay? <laughs> greatest champion. Well, I, I, the public I just, schools haven't even used all of the funds that they got. Right. Um, really? I just, I just yeah. looked up the dust from China thing, apparently. <laughs> I, I, That's I, a real I'm, thing? I'm actually curious because it's actually around the time where he was doing all the stuff with North Korea, because this is a story that comes out of North Korea, is that North Korea warned its citizens that yellow dust was coming in from China that could be bringing coronavirus with it. <laughs> like China was launching like a coronavirus infected <laughs> dust around the world to so yeah. he just quoted a conversation he had with kim jong-un yeah about maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> that's what that dust. was i'm not sure great <laughs> that's great that's yeah, because <laughs> incredible news this right is there. from october of 2020 oh no this is october 2020 this no, is sorry this is on the bbc this is after the thing that, about trump is like yeah. he says yeah the dust from china you're just like dust huh? and like it's so weird you just kind of move on the left media is like <laughs> they'll see like, on that he's crazy he's like nobody's talking about dust nope it's actually the bbc yeah <laughs> yeah this is coming but, from the bbc but it does yeah. suggest he got his news from kim jong-un right <laughs> well uh, no it doesn't necessarily suggest that wow. <laughs> like, the cia was like yeah kim told us that there's dust from china and uh watch out <laughs> can i just say separately Megan Kelly. She's in her 50s. She looks great. I know. What a babe. Total Fox. Yeah. 53, I think. Her, her podcast is actually pretty decent. She brings a lot on a lot of interesting people. Meanwhile. It's kind of an interesting comeback from Trump's hair. I, okay. Yes. disheveled, right? I don't think it's a toupee. I no. think it's his real hair. It's just oh, a comb know. over. A comb we know. Yeah. Oh, we, we know. Knew, sorry. You, you see it kind okay. of blow up oh, in the wind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You don't know this. about right. Trump's hair? Well, I always thought I mean, the joke was it was like to worry about this crap. a toupee on no, top. He gets it surgically but it, yeah, it's a comb. He gets it okay. surgically ins inserted. No way. Get out yeah. of here. Did you don't know this? Oh, this is well known. No, he gets he gets other fake hair imprinted into his skull. He needs more of it. It looks Regularly. like it's thinning out. He needs yeah. to embrace bald appreciation. I think, yeah. I think, I think so. But go. you can never get elected that way. We like, should we tweet at him. Hashtag brave and bald. You got to be tall <laughs> yeah. and with hair in order to become president. That's just how it is. Uh -oh. So Joe Rogan could never be president. Oh, definitely not. Oh, <laughs> okay. definitely not. Do you right. imagine him short, giving like a speech? <laughs> She's like, a little this shunned. shit is wild. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, fuckers. We're going to all take peyote together. Do some jujitsu. National peyote. You can't work. You can't work in the government unless you take at least a little bit of DM. <laughs> That'd be good for the deep state. <laughs> he would for sure oh. give us alien disclosure, though. He yeah. would give us the truth about well, that. Well, I, I mean, the deep state, like the CIA was working on LSD projects back in That's the 60s, true. right? Yeah, they had like whorehouses they paid for. Yeah, and Operation, party and Operation yeah. Midnight Climax. <laughs> That's a Love very that specific The names, name. too. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they would go in, they would pay <laughs> prostitutes to dose Johns in, in whorehouses. And then yeah. they'd observe them, right? Yeah. And like, and study it. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah. What are they? <laughs> what are they observing? They're just observing people on drugs have sex. I, don't the, I think the theory was that maybe you could use LSD for interrogation purposes, right? The CIA was doing a lot of weird psychology experiments at the time. Like they also had Operation Stargate, where which is what the movie, the comedy movie Men Who Stare at Goats, is based off of, uh, where they were actually trying to see if they could if they could conduct assassinations telepathically. Yes. Uh, yeah, mind it, control. The study itself was declassified. The results of the study, we don't know. 
<laughs> it turns out acid just makes you like want to go on a hike and look at plants. <laughs> not super not good. Not kill yeah, people. Like they, they were Turn studying astral canopy. projection. It's, like it's like a that. strange area in TikTok, but TikTok definitely sends me there. Is uh, the declassified studies of transcendental, me- transcendental med- meditation from... Operation Stargate. Operation Stargate. Ah. It's very interesting. Yeah. All right. On that note, we've probably gotten ourselves into enough trouble on this episode. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Take that as a no. (laughs) Kat, thanks so much for joining us today. You're a rock star. We appreciate you uh, coming on here and braving this experience, whatever this is. Will Will you join us again? I would love to. Thank you guys for having me. This was super fun. Awesome. Well, for David, our brave, bald Rand, and for Kyle, our crypto degen, Uh, My name's Joe Sheehan. Thanks for watching Human Reaction. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Human Reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash humanreactionpod. And remember, next week, the teeth of the Russian devils will gnash ever harder, and their rabid mouths will foam in uncontrollable frenzy as the world will see a favorite Kremlin propagandist pay for their crimes. What kind of kink is that? (laughs) 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 It's bizarre. She's got like a wig on and a little uniform.